And now, weighing in out of the blue corner, Josh the Pong Thompson. 100% and on the other mic, he weighs in from the red corner, Big Sean McCarthy. Well, hello, everyone. We are back again for another edition of the Weighing In Podcast. We have the real punk, Josh Thompson, Podcast Dave on the controls, and me here to talk about the UFC that occurred on Wednesday at 9 o'clock Eastern and 6 o'clock Pacific time. So not your normal time for fights, but we had fights today. So we're going to talk about that. And we have the big fight coming up this Saturday. We got Dustin Poirier taking on Conor McGregor for one second time. And we're going to find out if Josh thinks there might be a different outcome. I think I'll give my opinion on that too. Joshua, what's up? What's going on, big John McCarthy? Just loving life, baby. I've got a big surprise for all of us today. If you guys are new uh, to this show, to our podcast you guys need to go back and you know what? We're going to put it maybe in the little area there down below the hashtags where John likes to pull out shirts of me at the dentist with my face on them. <laughs> Wait, what? Remember he made that's, that shirt yeah. with a picture that's of a me. Beautiful shirt. I should I, be wearing that some bitch right now. I got the cotton in my mouth and like a little <laughs> stick hanging out of my mouth of yeah, me at the dentist. It. You sent me that picture. Well, because you're because Miss McCarthy, as everyone in the comment section likes to call you, Miss McCarthy was uh, blowing me up, and I'm sitting in the dentist. She's like, "How come you're not getting back to me? I need to know this right now." And I finally look, and I'm like, I take a picture of myself. I'm like, I'm at the dentist. I cannot reply. So he gave me the photo. Oh man, oh man. So I I, I got to get a picture of her too. But just so you guys are clear, it's payback time today, ladies and Let's gentlemen. Let's see it, baby. It's Come on. Time. Come on, baby. I want to see it. If you're on audio platforms, you have to go on. <laughs> you have to go on YouTube right now. <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh, that's gorgeous. That is John McCarthy at 95 years old <laughs> on the face app, baby. I used the face app, changed his ugly mug, gave him a little bit more gray hair. But I want you all to notice one thing. Look at John there right now on the youtube channel right now look at john in my picture his hair difference his hair does not move his hair <laughs> does not move all i can do is add a hundred more wrinkles to his forehead and add a ton more gray hair to his chin that was the best i could do ladies and gentlemen best i definitely I got the gray hair on the chin look at that man. look at that Ooh. bad boy can you see that john i just want to make that sure is can... awesome yes. i love that i'm gonna support this bad bitch i will tell I you right now, now you have never looked so good. I always look good. I always no. Look good. You no. this is the best you have ever looked with that picture with on your mug? chest. This ugly mug. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Forehead looks like a Sharpe. Uh, <laughs> oh, dude, that's that's even beyond Sharpe right this there, man. Great. That's crinkly. I love it. I just had to rock it for you today. That's good. Rock good for, you. for hey, you guys. I want you to know, I am proud of you. Of course, of course. You yeah. responded. I was not to be outdone. I was never to be outdone. And I'm not done yet. I'm gonna get you again. Don't worry. Oh, <laughs> I'm waiting. I'm waiting. Tally ho. I will one day get that picture of you in those uh, Apollo Creed shorts. <laughs> <laughs> in those Apollo Creed shorts. John's about 300 pounds. You're about 300 pounds there. About 310. Yeah, about 310. Just yeah. a fucking brick shit house. Just built like a salve. Anyways, 
But he's wearing those, uh, I mean, I call them Hooter shorts, but because I give them Apollo Creed. But they're white, right? They were the white ones. Uh, like whatever I think they, they were, were white. Bad. I think they were, they were white. Dolph- dolphin running. running yeah, so I they- used to run in those fucking things. Jeez, man. How'd you run bad. with those legs? Good God. Oh, your dude, legs I, were I actually, enormous. I actually had to put like Vaseline between so that I wouldn't get strawberries. It was bad. Oh, but it was bad. important to run because was- you know, had to stay in shape. That it was it horrible? You know, when you're that that big, I was lifting a ton of weight, you know, and that was the you whole thing. Say. I was powerlifting. <laughs> yeah, well, I was powerlifting and stuff. So it was, you know, I had my goals and what I was trying to do at that time. And so it was like, hey, you know, let's make this work and get as strong as you can. And I felt good back then, but yeah, you can get to the point where you get you, you just can't move that well. Oh man. I'm seeing pictures of you. Like before you had gray hair and you're still not as big in that, that picture. You are big. You are big. I mean, you got to go all the way back to like probably UFC one or one. Two, or oh, three. no. UFC Sorry, UFC one. I, was, I wasn't that big. UFC. I got big. I got bigger again because I started lifting heavy somewhere on UFC. I want to say 20 or something like that. I, I started getting big again. Whoa. Whew, enormous. Do you have to put like a uh, Vaseline underneath your arms? No. Oh. I was just wondering. I was I was wondering because I said it's called deodorant, dude. Oh my bad. <laughs> what what about on your shirts, like your nipples? You know what? You you can get it to where you get that fucking that nipple burn. Yeah, because I used to run a lot, and I I yeah. always had I always had to put like Vaseline right there because the or band aids. Yeah, yeah, I, yep. uh, yeah. I don't do the uh, what are those things called? Those they're called stickies or whatever. Pasties. 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 Yeah, yeah, those. Uh, but yeah, we had to put Vaseline between our thighs for for running because we'd run you know 14 miles every other weekend <laughs> for wrestling it was horrible horrible man. yeah so the armpits <laughs> the armpits the thighs and then uh we majority of us ran without shirts once we realized our nipples would start bleeding after we ran 14 <laughs> miles it was brutal it was fucking brutal That's um it. well i'm glad you enjoyed the shirt i'm gonna make a bunch I of did. them and i'm gonna hand them out to our whole uh, bellator production crew so they can awesome <laughs> oh man all right, well, hey, let's uh, let's jump right into the fights today. I I gotta just tell, I was they were good. There was a, there was a couple of them. I thought it was gonna be a sneaky good card. It didn't end up being that way. Mm. Um, can you pull up the card for me, Dave? Yeah. So there were there were a couple of really good fights on the card, and, and let's give it up for right away. Mike Davis, yes, took on Mason Jones. Mason Jones coming out of Cage Warriors. What a fight! Both guys. I mean, it was it was good. Back and forth, a lot of damage. I thought Mike Davis was starting to walk away with it. And then Mason Jones and I, you know, we we were texting and I said, Look, I seen Mason fight. This kid's a junkyard dog. Yeah. And he is. He's got no quit in him. And man, he proved that in the fight. He brought it back on Davis. Davis was, you know, at times in trouble. Jones was in trouble. What a great, great fight. Yeah, I just felt I mean I'm sure you would agree that the speed was the factor in the early round. Yep. Uh, I don't know what the commentary or, and even people that were tweeting. I was looking and watching that as well. It was not one one. I don't think it was one one. Maybe you, did you think it was one one? I had no, it. I, I thought it, Mike Davis was up 2-0. I thought he was up 2-0 going to the third. And I thought Jones won the third round. Yep. You know, I and agree. it was it was a good fight, though. It was a great fight because I thought Davis ran away, didn't run away with the first round, but he had definitely led him the more significant shots. And in the in the second round, the tide started turning, but it was already too late because Davis had won majority of the round. And then in the right. third round, Jones just turned it on. I think in a five round fight, we would have been able to see a little. I mean, would have you know? You wish you could just say, like when fights are going like that, 
let's just make that five rounds. <laughs> just let's just do it. We're yeah, gonna see. Yeah. We're gonna That's see if, what, if you want to be a exactly fighter. what the fighter wants. Hey, <laughs> we're just gonna make you go two more rounds oh, right now. We're man. we're enjoying ourselves. Well, why not? Oh. They, they do it in the Ultimate Fighter, right? Where they fight two. It was close. Let's have you guys fight three. <laughs> That's true. Totally fucked up. That's true. It's horrible. That's horrible. But what a great performance by both guys. So did um did Davis? He used to fight at seventy, correct? No, he used to fight at forty five. Oh, so I was. I thought I'd seen him fight at. The, I thought it was an upper weight class. So now he's up at his normal weight. He should be fighting at this weight. Class. Yes, he looked he a lot. Be. I recall last time I was like. Man, I go, I was thinking he fought at 170, and I was thinking to myself, but he looked like he gassed out. I'm like, why did he cut down if he was gassing out at 170? I didn't even, I didn't, I was trying, I try to watch the fights, honestly, with the, the commentary off, because. I know why. Yeah, there was just I'm a, sorry. <laughs> there was a lot of stepping on each other's dick today on the, on the whole thing. So, and and I, a lot and of I, talking. I love both of those guys. Um, yeah. But it just came down to like they were kind of stepping on each other and it started getting making me confused and and just kind of was I was losing interest in some of the fights and I said I just turned it off. So I just it was kind of right on that right around that fight too. Also, at six in the morning, they were way too energetic for me. So it was like I'm up at like six because I wanted to watch Umar's fight. And I'm like, man, these guys are talking way too fast and too much for me to care. I just turned it off. I turned the sound down. Boy, but, talk uh, about talk about Umar's fight because Umar Nurmagomedov came out and he put it on a tough guy. And I, I actually thought he was going too fast. I go, man, he's got to slow down a little bit. Yeah. You go, Johnny's 135 pounds. He can go forever. Yeah. I go, okay. <laughs> yeah, he can go. That guy can go. The the thing with okay, so um Sergey is was tough. You could tell he hit I felt like he had the power advantage going into the uh going into the fight. And as Brozov, the, yeah. yeah, in the first round, in the first round, you could see the power advantage was there, but he just wasn't able to catch Umar. He was trying to catch him in exchanges, but Umar, he's really good at the length. And I got to tell you, Umar, I posted a picture of him today on my Instagram at, at the real punk. If you guys want to check it out, if you, you put the two of us side by side, he's maybe two or three inches shorter than me, but his physical body is the size of mine. Like he's thick, big, you know what I mean? Like he's, he, you saw today, if you, you saw him, he, I know he cut a ton of weight probably for that fight, but he is a, he's a gamer. He's a goer. He will continue to go. What you saw in the first round was just him warming up. What you saw more of in the second round was only going to continue to get stronger as the fight went on in the third round. He's that kind of guy. There's these, that group, and and I know John's going to say I'm a homer, and so is everyone in the comments section. <laughs> you guys, I love you guys, but I'm just saying there is no breaks. You know, other fighters will say, hey, I'm going to go, I'm going to go have a drink this weekend. They don't drink. Uh, I'm going to go hang out with some friends. When they go, though, they do something active. They're playing soccer. They're playing what their version of basketball is, which is not basketball. It's like tackle basketball. Um they do that. They do motocross riding. They do all these things. ATV. They're always active. They're always doing something. They're always hiking. They're always out there running sprints, goofing around. Like that's this is their life. This is their livelihood. This is what they do. He just, I think, as the fight was going on, he was getting stronger, and Sergey was not getting stronger. I agree with you. He did. So, you know, and he was also doing damage. He had a he had that one moment. He almost put uh Morozov out yeah you know, and he landed even when he got him up against the cage a couple of those shots that he landed were strong but it was you know everything his wrestling is so good 
But he's not a wrestler at, in the gym. I know, but it's so good, man, because he <laughs> changed levels and the timing on his shot was beautiful. You know, and you're looking, you go, man, that was sweet how he just, you know, all of a sudden, here's your level change. Boom, he's into him. And it was like no chance at stopping it. So he looked really good, which is not easy. You know, having that being your, you know, your debut fight. And, and no matter what, it's not easy having some of the people he has in his corner. No, he's got a no, lot. There's, he's, there's, there's a lot of expectations. For him. Yeah. Not only is there a lot of expectations, but I mean, I want to say he's 22 now. Can you look and see on Umar's? I think I believe he's 22 years old now. There's a lot of ways there. The fact that he's 22 or oh, 24 now. Sorry, I've known since he was 19. Crazy. Um, he, the expectation. I don't think he puts that pressure on him for the expectation. But I did like his post fight interview because it was exactly what I see every day. Of hey, he submitted somebody uh, as well with the rear naked, but he did it in the third round. I did it in the second, and that's kind of the banter you get with the with the Russians. And it's great to have. It was great for him to do that, and it was great that. Khabib had to translate that for, oh, was great. for him. It was awesome. I love it. Uh, but good stuff. I thought a dominant, good performance by Umar. I'm very happy for him. Very um, 13 and 0. Good stuff for him. I thought he thought um, Davis. Davis had the fight. They had the fight. Uh, Davis and Jones had the fight of the night. Hands down, had the fight of the night. And I thought Umar had probably the submission um, or whatever the performance of the night, whatever you want to call it. And then if you go up, I mean, you're going to probably get to... Well, you um, know what? Before you do that, go back down to the fight that was just before. Oh, yes. You know, Umar, that that was a beautiful performance by Mannion. Yes. She was on point. I know that you said, man, oh, I, I looked and I, I heard a, I heard someone go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I saw a bunch of goes, Holly Holmes fight. <laughs> <laughs> John and I are texting each other at like six in the well, it's six in the morning for me. And I'm and I, I had came down. The fight was already started. Like it was like I was making coffee and I had the phone on. I I, I put it on the phone, not on the TV, and I so I could watch it while I was making coffee and stuff. And I hear yeah 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 yeah, and I was like I look over and it's a blonde girl, and I'm like is that is that Holly Holm? Did I miss something? I'm, I started looking. I started looking like shit. I missed almost the whole card because I mean Holly wouldn't be obviously on the prelims. And I was like, I don't think so. I was like, shit, I missed the whole damn card. Fuck what time to start. I started getting, <laughs> I started panicking. I get closer and then I hear uh, DC trying to butcher her name. And so then I realized that uh, it, it wasn't Holly. And I'm like, okay, okay. Phew. But I thought she had a dominant performance, a great performance as well. She was so good, so quick and just on point. Good movement. She reminded me a lot of, I mean, obviously I'll tell you guys, she reminded me a lot of Holly Holmes. She looked great. Holmes. Well, if you go back and you know, she she used to be fighting in uh, UMAF, I'm sorry, uh, IMAF, which is the International Mixed Martial Arts Amateurs Federation and stuff. But do you know who her her first fight as a pro was a loss? Yes. Do you know who it was to? To Bella Taurus, Leah McCourt. Yes, it was. Yep. You got to give it to Leah McCourt, man. And you, now you're looking, you're going, oh, she's pretty good because that young lady mm -hmm. is good. She is. She's going to be something in the future. Yeah, I was very impressed with uh, how well she moved. How, how I mean, like the way her strikes came out naturally. Uh, her head kick was on point, and from different angles and up and down, just she looked really good. Yeah, what like she landed a that beautiful head kick that was the beginning of the end. What I liked yeah. about it though was that she switched stance. When she switched stance, she threw the combination and she hesitated for a second. 
until after her opponent started to drop her hands. She didn't just throw the combination and then throw the head kick. She threw the combination when her, when her opponent put her hands up. Then she waited for a second until her opponent started putting her hands down and then came over the top of that kick. Just perfect timing. I mean, and, and the way she finished it, take a look at the punches she was throwing. Straight shots, yeah. not looping things around, not take, just putting shots straight into her. Everything she did in that fight was very impressive. She looked great. Very oh. true. Very true. Good stuff. I'm uh, sorry. Who who are you going to talk about before I well I, I thought move it down. I I thought uh, Omari Akhmedov. I thought he looked good, but I, I, I sometimes will question his conditioning. I think he carries way too much muscle. He seems like he fatigues not just from today, but he's also had issues with fatigue from before as yeah. well. And he That's what tests, happened with he, him against uh, Weidman? Yes, he, he just slows down as the fight goes on. And it's like, I don't know if it's because, you know, they're here. There's guys that you know that are physically in great shape. And I'll give you an example because we're going to talk about him in a little bit. Michael Chandler. He just, he uses such a, so much strength and explosiveness that they tend to slow down as the fight goes on. And they're, I don't know if it's their muscles fill up. You know that that whole feeling where, I mean, Johnny, like you used, used to be it's so big, horrible. man. You know this feeling. It's all that muscle. <laughs> Is that the muscles fill up with all that all that blood and that fluid and you start to build lactic acid and you start to feel that fatigue like you just can't lift your arms. And I, I, I get the feeling that he suffers from that a lot. He's carrying a little bit too much muscle for his body. You, man, you want to talk about muscle, though. You know, the fight that... There was a, the one, man, I can't think of the guy's name, but he is monstrous. I can't say his name. I don't, yeah, yeah, screwed um, up. scroll down He's out bit. of extreme couture. I've yes. seen him there. Daicha, and it's the Ling... Yeah, right there. It's Daicha. Come on, tell me. It is. It is Lungiambula. Okay. Holy Christ. You talk about chisel. I mean... You know, he used to fight at heavyweight, went to light heavy. That was at 185. Man, he is just like a rock. Did you see his his uh, traps? Yeah. I was like, where, the, everything. where the fuck is your neck? <laughs> I was like, where's your <laughs> neck? But the thing is, his traps were so big and so like uh, extended out that he had like a hole where his, like on clavicle. both sides, where yeah. his clavicle was. It was yeah. so deep. His traps were so tall. It was like two little buildings on his shoulders. <laughs> it was enormous. I'm like, yeah. man, this guy's ripped. Just there wasn't a, a, a you, there was a guy that you had talked about for Bellator saying like his you saw it on his back. Um, he's the 205 pounder. Gosh, mm. you said like you see the sinuins in his back. We talk, oh, you're talking about Anglicus. Anglicus. Julius Anglicus. Julius Anglicus. Same thing. Same type of thing. Just they're people are so damn ripped. You're like, gosh, man. You just see the striations in their back and their shoulders. I used to look like that one time. Not anymore. <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> yeah, you know, the other guy there there was a good fight in there. I thought Matt Schnell against Tyson Nam. Yeah. I thought that Matt Schnell, you talk about beautiful movement. You talk about throwing feints, getting someone to bite on the feints, just everything that he was doing. It was a close fight, and Nam had the power. But Matt Schnell did a beautiful job with in and out with his footwork, just landing volume shots, a lot of volume to him. It was a close fight, but I thought that Schnell won. And uh, he really, he's impressive to watch. In the stand-up game, 
man, he moves so well. This is that we go back to that speed kills situation where Snell was just beating him to the punch. And he seemed like he was yep. fighting longer. He would stick in, stick out. He kept him on the end. He kept Nam on the end of his jab. Um, there was moments that Nam had, but he was always one moment behind. He was always trying to play catch up versus kind of leading the dance. And he wasn't yep. doing that. So, but yeah, it was, it was a pretty good fight as well. I mean, realistically to me, the one that shocked me the most was the main event. I thought it'd be, a, I thought it'd be more competitive. It wasn't competitive at all. John, Neil Magny didn't have the game plan to get the job done. It all came down to the, you know, there was a couple of things. First off, you know, I had texted you. We, we, we talked about it and it's like, we thought it's going to be a close fight. And I said, you know, I think Neil Magny has the advantage here. I think the one problem for OB is he can't have Kiesa on top of him. And man, I'll tell you what, the shoulder pressure and the positioning of Michael Chiesa was fantastic when he would get double unders and get himself to where he got, you know, uh, Neil to the ground. He likes that little backside drop that he does. Beautiful works for him. When he's on top, man, you can tell Neil Magny is good on the ground. And he, he was passing through. He sliced through his guard multiple times. You saw Magny having... He, he was in half guard with a lockdown, which is not easy to get past. You know, if you're the guy on top, you've got to do certain things with your leg. And a lot of times that you're actually, you know, your, your weight's going up to try to get past that lock. He passed beautifully, man. He looked so good. The standup was a concern. Yeah. He really, man, there were times that it was like, oh, but he was landing shots at times. You know, he was moving so fast. You, you look, you go, you're moving too fast, but. He was able to land shots at times, and when he got into the clinch situation, I thought he was going to tire out. I really did. I thought, eh, you know, he's putting a lot of energy out. He might tire out in this. He did not. He, every round, came out strong, looked good. That was a big win for Michael Chiesa. Okay, so there was a couple things that I felt that could have been turning. Could have, the tides could have turned in the third round. Neil Magny had a couple good scrambles, was in good positions. There was a couple good scrambles to for the submission attempts. But Kiesa was able to work his way through there, find his way back on top. Those are moments in a fight where you start to get tired that dictate what, what your mindset is for the rest of the fight. You're either going to fold and just succumb to being on the bottom to, of the pressure of the person you're fighting and just, and just say, hey, you know what? I'll get him the next round. And then that's just a mental barrier that just starts to go down after that. He didn't do that. And I thought he, I potentially thought he would at that moment because he had won the first two rounds. It's easy to say, oh, I'm just going to take the third round off because I've got two in the bag. Now I'm going to take, I'm going to take, pick it up on the fourth and the fifth. But the problem is, though, with guys like Neil Magny, you give them a little bit and then they start turning the tide as the fight goes on. They just start turning it on, turning it on. It's a really, it's a really, uh, it was one of those situations where, Kiesa just had to make that adjustment, I think, in his mindset of like, I'm not going to lose this scramble. And once he didn't lose that scramble, he didn't lose he, any of the scramble. And he ended up on top. He, that was the kind of the, it set the tempo for rounds four and five. What, was that the round where Magni locked up the inverted triangle? Yes. All right. Let's talk about that inverted triangle real quick. Okay. You, if you end up in a position with a triangle that you don't have the arm, inverted it will not work ever and if you're neil magny you know that 
And you know that if I'm in this position, let me use this to get to the top position. Don't sit there and play this game underneath him as far as trying to hold on to something that's not going to work. You saw Kiesa with both arms free. No, no, he had an arm in. Did he have an arm yeah, in? Yeah, he had an arm in. No, he didn't. Okay, I'm wrong then. Yeah, he had an arm in. I, I was I wondering. Thought, I, was like, I thought he. I thought he had an arm. I thought he had an arm. I'm like, no, no. He he had. It makes he, sense. He had the arm in. The arm was in. Um, what happened was, <clears throat> Magni went to like, sorry, Kiesa sat up. Yep. And then he sat back on top of Magni. And when he sat back on top of Magni, Mag Magni started to lose the position. He was able yeah, to separate push his leg out too. Yeah. yeah, he was able to separate the All position right. there. But it was, <clears throat> I thought Kiesa just did a good job of winning these scrambles. And that and that specific situation right here was where I'm watching it right now on the TV, is that he has the arm in, but then what happens? Neil Magni circles to the back, and then Kiesa is able to kind of just sit over him. And when he sits over him, it puts Kiesa, it puts Magni underneath him. And when he puts him underneath him. It's hard to finish that position from that from that spot, yeah. and no, so once impossible. that happened, he just started letting it go. But then he didn't create the scramble. What I liked though that that um, Kiesa did, and I, I had a lot of experience with this when I was getting ready for the Nate fight, is I sparred with a guy that was really long and lanky. His name was Reese. I can't remember his last name, but he was like six three, six four, long boxing, not a whole lot of kicking, but I couldn't take him down. And you, you saw me do it with Benson as, as with Benson Henderson as well, is when you get to someone, when you get the double unders on someone, you're able to get to their back, and they're tall and long and lanky, and you can't lift them because they can still keep their feet on the ground. What Kiesa did was he went right to the to the high crotch and just lifted from the butt. And that takes them forward. And that's able, that's that was how I was able to get a lot of tall people down to the ground from that position there. And Kiesa used that uh for a big lift and a dump. And that kind of yep. started that that set the tempo. For the rest of the takedowns, I can take you down anywhere I want. I can take you down on a body lock. I can take you down an inside trip. I can take you down on the the big dump. I can do the step behind trip. He he was using all of his tools to get the fight to the ground. And his pressure, like you said, was absolutely amazing. Great shoulder pressure. Yes, good pressure. Man. And every time you watched it, you just watched how, and everybody creates a different pressure. And you could see it in Magni's. Look at Magni is used to having people you know, squeezing down on, he was having problems with the amount of pressure that yes, it was creating just from that shoulder. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful was, work. Well, here. Yeah. So afterwards he calls out Colby Covington. I love that. Good stuff. Yeah. I, have, have an idea of where you want to go. Do, what do you, I don't think Colby's going to even entertain it. No, <laughs> he's not. But if you're Kiesa, yeah, I love the fact that hey, this is the guy I want. You know, you know, you're out there. He did, did the whole, uh, you know, the election is over. Or something. I thought yeah. it was kind of funny. And hey, say who you want because no matter what, you know, you got, uh, you know, Mick Maynard and Sean Shelby, and they're busy and they're trying to match guys up all the time. And sometimes they won't even kind of think about something till all of a sudden it's said, and they go, hey. That's a possibility. Yeah. And they may look at it. Now, I think they have other ideas right now for Colby, but hey, put it out there. I thought it was a good move by Kiesa. I'm going to one up on all that. I'm going to say, and we know he, Colby's probably not going to take that fight. And they want, it sounds like they have, like you said, have something else for yeah. him. But I think him and Steven Thompson, Kiesa and Steven Thompson would be a good fight. Grappler versus striker. Oh, my God. Whew. Man, I tell you what, after watching Kiesa on the ground, 
I know if it hits the ground, I know what's going to happen. Yeah. But man, I don't want to see Kiesa stand up against Stephen Thompson. I'm sorry. <laughs> but we don't want to see Stephen Thompson on the ground with Kiesa either, I mean, though. That's exactly it, man. So it's one or the other. But yeah, yeah that's, that's not actually not a bad matchup. And they're both at that at that point. They could match up. That would be a good fight. Yeah, hopefully we can see that fight. I mean, realistically, those are the ones when I'm looking at the matchups that I'm, I'm seeing right now. You have, they're talking Colby and Mazadal. Leon's with uh, Chimaev. And yep. you've got Gilbert Burns fighting Usman for that's the title. Up. Yep. And that's in the now Steven Thompson's. I think I don't think he's matched up right now. Someone was telling me they had a matchup, no, but he, I haven't just, seen. He, you know, he won his last fight. And so I don't think there is anything for him right now. Yes, yeah. is what on a four or five fight win streak. Yeah, he's four right. Now. He's right. He'll, four now? He's right. Number eight. He's not going to gain really any spots based on this. Is um, Thompson, what is Thompson was six. What is he now? He's five. Five. Yeah, because okay. T Wood slid down below him. It, uh, it's uh, it's unfortunate if you're Thompson that you're fighting someone that's ranked lower. But yeah, what are you going to do right now? It's either that or don't fight. Well, the all the upper guys they're all booked. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, either see, that or don't fight. Yeah, that's true. I mean, like, but you're not getting any younger though either. Nope. You know, so but I I think that that gives me those throwback feelings of like UFC one, UFC two. You know, wrestler versus striker, grappler versus striker, that kind of feeling. We got a cool fight. They also just booked, uh, or they just confirmed, um, Usman and Gilbert Burns for three weeks from now as well. Did you see that today? Yeah. Was it booked? Or, I mm-hmm. thought it was already confirmed. I think it was supposed to be March, but now it's now it's in February. Yeah, they moved it up. Oh, it's three weeks from now. It's coming up. Well, That's alrighty. Well, alrighty then. Well, alrighty then. They lost the fight, right? They lost the main event. That's why they moved them up. Yeah. Yeah, I can't remember which one, but they lost one. Um. Okay. Talk to me, Goose. What else you got? From that card, or do you want to do winning? Winning? No, in from that card. Yeah, let's let's uh no let's let's talk about the uh, Connor card, and then we'll yeah we'll, we'll jump we got into two our, fights we got to talk about. Come yeah, on, yeah, and then after this we talk about this, we'll jump into our way uh, waning on the odds segment for uh, betting odds. There's a lot of there's a, there's a lot of good bets to be made, so let's just go ahead and get into that a little bit later on. <laughs> but let's uh, let's talk about the card first. We'll tell you how we feel about it, and then we will change our mind on waning on the odds when it comes to betting. That's how we do it around here. <laughs> it's always it. <clears throat> All right, John. Let's go, buddy. Let's go. Let's go. Well, uh, th- let, you know, let's th- let's talk about Dustin Poirier versus Conor McGregor first off. Okay. I, I look at this fight, and yeah, it's six years uh, since they matched up. They are different fighters, both of them. I think they're both completely, uh, I don't like to say completely different, but they're different in the way they're fighting. The real question for me is this. If you go back and you watch that first fight and no Connor as a fighter, everybody knows he is a counter striker. He waits for you to attack and he takes a little step back, a little step to the side. And he usually launches a left hand and he's pretty accurate and he tags you and he now puts you on your heels. And the real question for Poirier is, well, Poirier is a come-forward attack fighter. That's when he's successful. When Poirier is going backwards, he's not near as successful. When he's coming forward, he is a successful fighter. So Poirier, in my opinion, has got to use basically what we call the three technique as far as don't just throw the shots and go forward utilize feints, get him to try to counter off of the feints or just start to do it and then come with your attack. 
he's going to have to vary those attacks to get past the counter striking of Connor. Connor is, he is probably the best counter striker there is in MMA as far as the way he does it and how effective he is and how accurate he is. If Dustin comes forward like he does when he's, you know, against Justin Gaethje or Eddie Alvarez or even Dan Hooker in the later rounds and is coming forward in the beginning with Connor, I see Connor landing a counter strike, kind of hurting him. And I think we're going into that same element that happened in the first fight. I think Connor is the favorite, uh, but obviously both guys can win at this. And I know here's the, here's the, the flip side. You're going to say if Dustin Poirier is going to win, it's going to be towards the later rounds. Uh, Dustin has got a gas tank. A lot of people say that Connor doesn't have a gas tank. I don't think that's true. I do think that Connor has had problems in the past. I think he had a problem when he fought Nate Diaz the first time and he did gas and it was carrying more weight. And, you know, may, I don't know about what he did training wise or anything, but he did gas. I did his second fight against Nate Diaz. And in that fight, third round, I believe it was, a lot of people thought he was gassing. Well, he, he was. He was sucking air because he was getting hit to the body a lot. Nate was eating his body up, and I don't care who you are, that'll take the air out of you, and you're going to start to you know slow down and have problems. But the one thing, if you watch it, when that round ended, I walked him back as I'm looking at him, and by the time that round, the next round started, he was good, which is telling you he's in shape. And he carried on throughout that fight and ended up winning the fight. So I think that he is taking care of that gas tank problem. You know, what happened with Khabib, you know, people can look and say, well, it looked like he slowed down there. Everybody seems to slow down with Khabib. That went into the fourth round. So I don't think that Connor is going to have a problem with his gas tank, but I do think that as the fight goes on, just confidence in everything because no doubt Dustin has to get past the fact that he knows he got beat by the same guy six years ago. I think Connor is the favorite. I think he should be the favorite, but I do think that Dustin Poirier has all the skills in the world and it only takes one shot to change the fight. I think he's got all the skills in the world to possibly pull an upset in this fight. There is no doubt he has the skills to, to upset Connor. And the other thing as well, I've watched that first fight several times now in the last probably week and a half. Both of them are completely different fighters. Yeah. They're not even the same person. I mean, like when I'm watching this, <laughs> they're not even the same people that were in that case. So if you look back, Dustin shouldn't even be thinking about that, even though he will be, even though I'm sure he that will. will be in the back of his mind somewhere your head. hidden in the cobwebs way in the back. He will think about that. But in, after watching that fight, in reality, he shouldn't. He's not that guy anymore. I'm watching that fight. And I'm like, there's a ton of wasted movement on Dustin's part. There, you could tell there was a little bit of lack of confidence when things weren't working right right away in the first round, the first first couple exchanges. He was throwing kind of like kicks and, and punches from angles that you could tell he felt uncomfortable. He wanted to get in and out of in situations that he didn't need. To. He was throwing kicks while his head was down just to get out of the way as a distraction. It wasn't even... That's not what you're going to see on Saturday night. You are not going to see that Dustin play at all. You're going to see a more confident. You're going to see someone who believes in the things that he has learned. 
um, at ATT now, he is going to be a completely different fighter in this fight. I also think that <clears throat> there will be moments and sections of this fight, if Dustin was smart, that he would fight him against the cage. Knees, elbows, that type of thing to start slowing Connor down in the stand-up. We know, and I, I know from experience, that when you press people against the cage, you press them against and you're making them work good strikers, people that have heavy hands, the best thing to do is clinch them, work them against the fence, knees, elbows, make Get all that blood. Down. Yeah, make all that blood rush to their shoulders and their arms. Make them heavy. Things don't pop out as much and as fast and as frequently as they will if you let them stay fresh. Look, Mike Brown is one of probably the best coaches, I think, out there. And I, and I was watching that a little bit of that 24-7 the other night. And he he sounds very confident, not just not because he's his coach. He's just like, look, Dustin as a human being is a completely different person. And I could not agree with you anymore. Being yeah. like being around him when he was fighting at 145 when I was training with Frankie and listening to him talk then. And then casually and passing, you know, at certain uh area uh times in our career passing and talking to him then versus when we when i saw him at one of the bellator events talking to him he's a grown-ass man now like he yep. is someone you could tell that his whole life and his focus is this in the beginning i i think it was more of a figuring out like you know and he is not the same guy and then mike uh mike brown was saying he's completely different in terms of his durability from cutting to 145 is completely different. At 55, he's proven. You look at the hooker fight. He took a lot of damage in that fight. He Whoa. is durable. Extremely Especially durable. That, think of that second round. That yep. second round was possibly the round of the year. Yeah. It was that good. And, man, he took a lot of shots and was durable as hell. And But here's the thing. Even, look, and what people need to remember and understand when you're taking those kind of shots, it makes you tired. It, it's like playing a video game. If you guys are playing Street Fighter and every time you get hit, your power level goes down, that's real life shit. That, it really <laughs> happens. It happens like that. You get hit with a clean right hand. All of a sudden, your energy level goes down. You hit to the body. Energy goes way down. Couple leg kicks. That You start stressing out at the fact that you're getting hit with clean shots. And this is a three-round or a five-round fight. And I've got to last the rest of this fight. With the amount of energy I have left. And so that's going through your mind as well. And then that builds up to more anxiety of like, man, this hurts. Every time something hits you, oh, it hurts. Oh, it's taking my wind. It's taking my energy. You start thinking about that and putting more pressure on yourself to, to push the pace or to get in the grill, to not take these shots, to be more defensive, whatever it is. But Dustin Poirier has figured it out. I mean, this to me is going to be a completely different fight. And when I went back and watched that fight, John, I'm like, these guys are not even the same people anymore. They're no. not, you know? And so no. when, when people were going, oh, well, Dustin's going to get sparked. No, 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 no. And Dustin, I think, is a lot better now on the ground than he was back then as well. And let's not forget that he was probably one of the closest guys to ever catch, almost catch Khabib in a submission. That Armin guillotine was tight to the point where Khabib had to roll to his side to even get out. And when you start rolling to your side, that means I'm willing to give up the position to mount or whatever it is to, for you to come on top so I relieve can be pressure. free. To relieve the pressure and so I can get free. Look, I'm not sleeping on him at all. I was, I think, when they announced this and it was going to happen, I'm like, oh, he's going to walk. I think Connor's going to beat him pretty easily like he did the first time. Now, after the last three weeks of me doing the research and looking over fights and seeing what's going on, nope. I'm not sleeping on this at all. 
Uh, I'm, I, I've got Dustin. I got this fight going into probably the fourth. Um, Connor may catch him, but I could also see Dustin catching him with some sort of arm and guillotine. Yeah, all he's got to do is get Connor's head down. If he can do that, you know, he starts pulling him down. And I know it's, I don't want to be mean and rude, but Connor has a hard time dealing with being choked. You know, and he did it with the Nate thing and he did it with the Khabib thing. He has a hard time when, when you're exhausted. If you're not yep. used to being put in those positions and learning how to relax in the jiu-jitsu positions, you tend to panic a little bit and sometimes the taps will come out. They come out pretty fast when you're exhausted. So I think after watching that 24-7 and listening to Mike Brown and the conversation from him and listening to a little bit of what Dustin said, they're going to make this an MMA fight. This isn't going to be a stand-up fight, not just strictly stand-up. They're going to mix this shit up. And if they do that, they're going to have a lot of success. Yeah, one of the things, that in, in my opinion, if if Dustin can take and crush the distance into just boxing distance, it's not that Connor's, Connor's a, is very good with the stand-up, but if he can get closer to that box, it takes away a lot of those kicks that Connor likes to land. He likes that little toe you know, to the, to the abdomen. He likes to do the spinning kicks. And it also puts Dustin closer to a position to clinch up, be the MMA fighter, push him to the cage, throw some knees, slow him down, get his arms heavy. If he's able to do that, he's got a good chance of winning the fight. Yeah. He's just got to stay in his grill. I think he's got to stay outside the range of those, those tip kicks to the body so he doesn't start to slow down as the fight goes on. I'm talking about Dustin. He needs to stay outside of those tip kicks to the body. Those little toe kicks. I mean, those are just nasty body shots that add up throughout the fight and tend to slow other fighters down. If you get with inside that range and make him fight an elbow fight versus a boxing fight, if you put him in a phone booth, you make him fight that fight, you blow up the arms, and you also take away 90% of his weapons. You know, you can wrestle him from there. You can you can hit those those guillotines from that position. And and don't don't be afraid to use his own tricks against him. Those little shoulder strikes little inside elbows, all those things to make it a dirty, grimy fight against the fence. If Dustin does that, I think by the by the third, fourth round, you may, we might start seeing a little bit of the tide turn. You never know. But, I mean, look, every fight starts standing, and they always start, what, 30 feet across from each other. So <laughs> that's a lot to ask. And I know we're sitting here picking it apart. But when it comes down to it, it's easier said than done. And thank God it's not me in there anymore. <laughs> you know, I look at it now. Dustin is the number one... Uh contender at the lightweight it's a great fight it's gonna be fun to watch i cannot wait for it and connor always brings something as far as just every time he's gonna fight you know i gotta watch yeah so it's gonna be fun well here john we spent a lot of time like last you know last week because connor was on the show and then this week you know talking about and we're talking about connor now as well but i felt like i had to come out and speak my case on the Dustin part because a lot of people when I've read a lot of the media a lot of them are overlooking them not just the media but a lot of the pros too that are making picks you know and so I'm thinking a lot of people are just overlooking Dustin I'm not overlooking him I think he's got a great chance of getting this win he's got to fight the perfect fight though and that what I mean by perfect he's got to use I'm not saying that he should use my game plan but he should use my game plan so <laughs> but it's I, I think Mike Brown being as such a great coach they're gonna come up with a good game plan now look anyone can get clipped 
So yep. that's the one thing. Anyone can get clipped, you know. And it could happen both ways, though. It could happen both ways. And the thing with Dustin, he's got power in his hands. We know that. He's got a granite chin at 155, more so than he had at 145. He's a lot more durable, I think, at 155. And he's someone to be reckoned with, man. I think he he's proven it time and time again. He's not to be overlooked. So if you guys are listening to this at home, you guys need to understand, this is going to be a lot closer of a fight than people think. Just my opinion. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it also comes down to confidence <laughs> at 155 dustin Poirier has gained a ton of confidence yeah. there's only one guy being you know khabib that's the only one that's beating him and beat him you know you take a look at all the fights he had the first fight with eddie alvarez that ended off of a foul but he was start, he was winning that fight he was winning that fight big time he came back and he beats eddie when they rematched that fight he beats justin gaethje he beats you know, Max Holloway, he beats Dan Hooker. He's got confidence going into this fight. He believes that this is my weight and this is my time. And as long as I do what I am capable of doing, there's nobody in the lightweight division that I can't beat. Connor's got his hands full. I'm not saying that I don't think I do believe right now. I'm saying I think Connor's going to win the fight, but I think it's going to be close. Yeah, I think it's going to be a lot closer than people think. Yeah. Um, the co-main event, Michael Chandler and Dan Hooker. <clears throat> Come on, talk to me, baby. <clears throat> okay, I'm gonna put my feelings aside from from, <laughs> from Michael Chandler for a second. Um, you know, there was I would say for the last probably two months when this fight was announced for the last month and a half, two months, I thought Chandler was gonna probably walk away with it. I, I, I now am thinking with all of the talk and all of the conversation and the new promotion and him being in the UFC and him te- for years saying that, you know, if I went there, I would do this and I would do that. I think after calling some of Chandler's fights and after being scheduled to fight him several times and it never happening, you know, it I feel like he's going to put more pressure on himself. The anxiety, the, the, um, just all of the buildup to this fight, I think he's going to have a huge adrenaline dump. He already is someone that's super explosive, extremely strong. He fights at a at a rabid dog type place, uh, pace. Pace. And he cannot afford to do that in a five round fight against Dan Hooker. Dan Hooker will be there in the fifth. But it's round. not a five round fight. It's a three. Oh, round. that's right. I is that's right. It's a three round Ooh. fight. Are they going to make this a five-round fight? Change of it? No, they're not going to make it a five. It's It's been scheduled as three rounds. They're okay. So, well, remember, because Dana came out and said that there was chances they were going to start having co-main events be five rounds. And I'm like, if you're going to have a fight, it's going to be five rounds. All right, never mind. I take it back. Michael Chandler. <laughs> take it back. <laughs> I, I, re- I mean, this is one of those things, like literally three rounds. I mean, Michael Chandler is so dominant in the first round. If you go back and watch some of his fight with with Benson Henderson, with, with any of the guys he's fought, his first two rounds – He's so dominant, but then he starts slowing down midway through the second. He hasn't, he does enough in the beginning of the second to really dominate the second round. Third round, he starts to have problems. Fourth and fifth, he does slow down a lot, but he does enough to still kind of stay in the fight. He's only got to win one more round after those first two rounds. I, I think that he's able to do what he needs to do to, to Dan Hooker in a three round fight. I look at this and I, I, I see. Michael Chandler with a lot of ways, you know, that he can end up getting a win against Dan Hooker. I was grinding it out and he can get that decision. 
using his wrestling, using his stand-up. He's got good stand-up and he's got good power and he is fast. So he, the, the speed is going to cause Hooker some problems. Hooker is not as fast as, as Chandler. No. But the one thing that Dan Hooker does and does beautifully is he times guys when they come in and they're going to go for a takedown. If you, if you recall going back to Ross Pearson and then Jim Miller, yeah, he, he knocked both of them down. Now, Ross Pearson wasn't really going for a takedown, but Jim Miller was. He times that knee coming up the middle beautifully. And he's tall and he's able to keep a range and all of a sudden bring it in. And it with the movement of his opponent coming forward, he lands that thing and he puts people out. So Chandler has to be very careful of when he decides, because he's going to decide to take this fight to the ground. He's going to start to have problems with the length of hooker. And he knows that that, you know, puts him on the ground. The length goes away. All the advantage goes away. He's going to try to put Dan hooker to the ground. He needs to be very careful on his timing of when he does that because the knee strikes from Dan Hooker are the one thing that I look at and go, man, that is an equalizer that can change the fight that fast. And Dan Hooker has heart. He's tough. You know, he's got, you got, you got to figure, you know, he beat Gilbert Burns. Remember that? Yeah. You know, he's got some big wins. And I look at, you know, just the way that Chandler matches up. Chandler has his ways, no doubt about it. That grappling, he's a better wrestler. His his takedowns are good. It's different when you're in the cage, especially if Hooker can get his back against the cage. If Chandler goes for the takedown, he's going to be very difficult because he's so long. It's hard, as you talked about earlier. It's hard when you get a real tall guy to get those normal takedowns the way you do. It just doesn't work. They it, They never seem to leave the ground. Yeah, what people need to remember is that Michael Chandler is not a tall guy. He's probably really? only about five seven, five he's eight, maybe five eight. I mean, he's in, he's in that that shorter range where Dan Hooker all he's got to do is just lift his knee and he's kneeing him in the face. He doesn't yep. need to even jump. He doesn't need to raise it up too high. I mean, Dan Hooker's a tall guy. What is he six one? I think he's taller than that. I think he's he closer to six, six two. two. Six, no, he's, they still have him listed as six foot. I think oh, he's really? six. I, I think he's he six one. Then. He seemed like he's about six one. Um, <clears throat> I would say like, and Chandler likes to dip when he throws his strikes. He dips to the left. He dips to the right. Walk. He's got to be careful walking right in. When he throws his power, he comes lunging in right into that knee. So yeah, he explodes in. He does explode in. He is fast about it, and he is working on switching his stance, like you saw with Benson in their last fight. He switches and throws off that. He, he's got a lot of tools in the bag. If this fight hits the ground, expect him to try to get after Dan Hooker's neck. He'll be right on that neck, get to the side. He'll start hitting some great, some, some ground and pound. His ground, his ground and pound is it's good. It's nasty good. But, I mean, it really just comes down to, I think, whoever can implement their game plan. But I'm watching him fight Gilbert Burns right now, and Gilbert's standing, and he's trying to knee him in the head. You know what I mean? So, and, and Gilbert's taller and bigger than Michael Chandler. Yeah. So, I mean, he and he was able, he just put his knee up there and was able to touch Gilbert slightly on the chin. So when you're, when I'm having this conversation, like he can just hit that knee right up the middle anytime. So Chandler's got to make sure that he's hiding his takedowns and he's got to make sure he's hiding them behind some strikes without just dipping his head when he does it. So it's, it's going to be a lot tougher of a fight, but like I would give more of the advantage to Michael Chandler in a three-round fight 
versus a five round fight. That's just where I lay at. I look, I look at, if I'm looking at this, I say Michael Chandler wins by decision. I see Dan Hooker winning by knockout. You don't think Chandler Which knocks one's it him out? You think you, I don't think so. Decision, I don't, I don't, I think, I I think, I think Chandler could beat him, him by out. submission also. That's possible, but I don't see, I don't see Michael Chandler knocking, uh, Dan Hooker out. I don't think it's going to happen. He's got the power. Mm-hmm. No doubt about it. Dan Hooker's got a great chin. He is tough as hell when it comes to the stand-up. He's durable. Uh, I think in the end, Michael Chandler wins by three-round decision. Three-round decision. I, I I keep going back to, I, I feel like the pressure. The pressure is going to be a lot. He's going to put, no, he's he's put been, a ton he's of pressure on He's been in too many big fights. John, no, ma- no matter promotion. what. No matter what. No matter promotion, what. Yes, no. it is a new promotion, and that does affect some people, a lot of people, I'm not saying some people it doesn't, but most people it does. But guy's been in a ton. If you take a look at all of his his record, most of his fights were championship fights. He's He's been there, done it. I think he's got enough maturity. It's not going to affect him that much. All right, all right. <laughs> I could be wrong. Nah. Uh, <laughs> it's it's going to be fun. Yeah. It, I, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I mean, I could see also Dan Hooker doing what Mazadal did to Ben Askren. Just absolutely, running. that's my whole point. I, like, I I could see Dan Hooker winning by knockout. And that knockout, in my opinion, if it comes, it's based off of a knee. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into uh, what do you think, uh, Calderwood and Jessica I. Oh, man, yeah, I really like what uh, Joanne Calderwood was doing. Uh, when she first started at syndicate with John Wood. And I think mm-hmm. that she really, you know, turned a corner as a fighter. And then that last fight, she just had problems. And I, but there was too much going on outside that people may not have known about. I look at Jessica. I, she's a, she's a tough girl and she junkyard forward, dog, junkyard dog, but technical skill and technique wise, she's not as good as Calderwood. Calderwood has got the better overall game. She's got a cleaner stand-up game. I don't think she has the power that Jessica I has, and that's where if if exactly what you're saying for Jessica I to win, she needs to be that junkyard dog, get into the middle of Joanna Calderwood and not take her foot off of the gas. Just make her have to fight, grind her, be nasty. If she's nasty in the fight, she can win the fight. If she tries to outstrike her and be a technical fighter, yeah. I, see, I see Calderwood winning. Yeah, I feel the same exact way. You said everything that I would have said. Yeah, I agree. You know, Jessica, she needs to make it a dirty junkyard dog type fight. She, yep, she does just, that. She can win the fight. Yeah, she can win the fight. <clears throat> so um, the other fight that I was talking about, look, let's just talk about Amanda Hebus just because she's good looking. <laughs> <laughs> I guess yes, uh, Marina is. Rodriguez, she's smoking. I don't know what it is, but oh man, she's she's good looking. But you uh, like Marina, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I had to. Oh, uh, but I mean, look, uh, I think uh, Hebus is she's what on an eight? What's Hebus on an eight? Five fight, five five fight win streak. So I mean, she's good. She's good all the way around. She had a great performance her last fight. Big, big difference between the two. One is a pure stand-up fighter, and look at Rodriguez, good. Mm-hmm. She's she's got good technique. She hits hard. 
you know, at 115 pounds, you can only generate so much as far as one punch. That's really not going to be it. She can do, she can get a knockout through a kick, through a knee, but she really puts a lot of volume on. But Amanda Hebus, with the fight hits the ground, mm-hmm. she's good. Yeah. She is damn good. She moves well. She's got good base. She, she's always looking. You can see her reaching for, you know, something, but you can see her hand sliding in. So you know that she's setting the person up to think that she's going for this arm while she's actually working towards taking the back. I think that Amanda Hebus is the one that's going to walk away. I know she's, she's probably not going to be the favorite in this. She's going to be the underdog, but I just like the role that she's on right now. Checking on the, uh, on the, uh, betting odds. Let's see real quick. Let's weigh in on the odds. (laughs) (laughs) We will check on these, uh, weighing in on the odds here in a second. Go back to the card, please. Dave. There was one more fight I wanted to talk about. I want to say American, uh, Sarah McMahon against Juliana Pena. And, you know, I've always been, uh, I, I love Sarah McMahon. She's a sweetheart of a person, mm-hmm. was a great wrestler, uh, came into, you know, MMA and really has put on some good performances, had, you know, performances that didn't go her way. Uh, but Juliana Pena is, she's a junkyard dog too. You know, and yeah. her ground game is a lot better. And and where I where I look at this is, I look at Sarah McMahon fought Misha Tate, and in that fight she tried to out wrestle Misha, and Misha tried to out MMA and out strike on the ground Sarah McMahon, and hopefully Sarah McMahon learned a lesson out of that fight because if she didn't, Juliana Pena is going to beat her. Juliana Pena cannot out-wrestle Sarah McMahon, but she can definitely do damage on the ground, and she can scramble into positions where she ends up in the top position. And if she does that, Juliana Pena's got a very, very good submission game. She's tough. She's strong. So this is a really close matchup between the two. Should be a fun fight. I love watching Juliana Pena fight. She's from that Spokane area, kind of like when I was – I had already left, you know, the North Idaho, Spokane area when I started training, but she trained with a group of people that I, that I knew out of that area there. Uh, what's it called? Lyle beer bomb and those beer bomb and those guys there. So, um, but yeah, they, I'm, I am they, sorry that she had, she had to, to actually train with beer bomb. Yeah. <laughs> Fancy pants. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I he's a good guy. They had, they had a good group of guys that came out of there. A good group of, yeah. they, they had, uh, what was the other kid? Cody McKenzie. He was out of there. Uh, he had a little stint in the UFC. He was on the Ultimate Fighter, I believe. Uh, Lyle Beerbaum was actually the pretty guillotine good. guillotine master. Yeah, he's the one. I do recall. I think it was the GSP and Koscheck show, wasn't it? That they were on. Who were their coaches? I think it was GSP and Koss. I think Might have been. Co- Anyways. Yeah, because I remember GSP talking about, like, yeah, the reason why I picked him is because he's, or he, the reason why I knew who, what he was going to do during his fights, because I'd seen him hit that submission several times in some other like lower level shows that GSP had just so happened to be at. But yeah, good stuff. I mean, they've got a good group of people there. Julian Payne is a junkyard dog. She's one of those girls that just gets out there and gets after it. Tough. She, I mean, for the longest time, she was only training with all guys. And she, remember, she had tore her knee, you know, training yeah. with some of the guys like a week or two before her fight. People were so pissed off about that whole situation, uh, but yeah, this whole card is a real. This this card's a really good card. Oh yeah, 
All right, guys. Well, hey, we're gonna hit. We're gonna give you guys some betting odds. We call this segment weighing in on the odds. This is us talking about who we would potentially bet on, or give you guys ideas on maybe who may win the fight, maybe who may not win the fight, and which bets may be best for you or suited for you. How much money you have all depends on whether you want to make this bet or not. There you I don't go. Know if you so John was zero for forty last week, so I don't know. I was zero for two. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't bet because I lost all my money the week before. Uh, so, <laughs> all right. Well, uh, let's start off with some odds. Well, let's, hold let's, on. If they want to bet, they should go to mybookie.ag and sign up. If they sign up with mybookie, it's the first time signing up. You will get fifty percent. More than what you put in. So you put $100 into bet. You now have $150 that you get to bet with. And you can listen to my opinion and Josh's opinion on which way we would go and then go the exact opposite. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yes. Make sure you guys use that promo code Wayne in at mybookie.ag or mybookie.com. So let's uh, pull up the Connor fight and see where we're at on that. Dun, dun, dun. Connor's the big favorite. Connor is minus 310. Dustin Poirier <laughs> is plus 250. See, if you're looking at being and going and saying, I'm going to bet, then I would put you know money down, honestly, on Dustin. Both guys can win the fight. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to be that guy that's going to say, well, I would rather take $50 and put it on here, and I'm, I'm better off. I feel better possibly losing $50 than I do losing $150 or whatever. You're going to make more money back. I always go on. If I have a guy that's a dog, he's the underdog, but he has a good, you know, he has the ability to beat his opponent. Then I'd put, I'll put some money on it. And there's no doubt that Dustin Poirier has the skills where he, he can be the guy that wins this fight. Now, personally, I do think, as I said before, I think Connor's going to win the fight. Yeah. But doesn't mean that Dustin can't and quite possibly will. And so that's the kind of that I would never put the 310 you know to win $100. I wouldn't do that with Connor, but I would put like 50 bucks with Dustin to try to get it because what is he he's plus 250? Plus 250. Okay, so if he's plus 250 and I put in, you know, that 50 bucks I could come out with over 150 bucks. I'm looking good, baby. Yeah, you got to look at it too, though. Dustin actually has more ways of winning this fight. He can win it by Very knockout. He can win it by submission. Not yep. that Connor can't, but the chances of him winning by submission are a little bit less likely than Dustin. Dustin's he has improved his jujitsu game tenfold since the last time these two have fought. And I we just gave this whole segment before about how you know he ha- they're both different fighters, but Connor is still the stand up guy. You know, Dustin is a stand-up guy as well, but he is also very good in, in, in his submission. His wrestling has gotten a lot better as well, along with his mindset. So I would have to agree with you, John. If you put 50 to to $100 down, I mean, like, I think the return for Dustin would be worth it. The 310, no thank you. I mean, yeah, it's just... That's a hard one to go with, but yeah, yeah I can see someone doing it. Let me ask you this. What's the what's the uh, over-under on the, on the rounds? Over under is plus one fifty five for Dustin and uh, no okay but, but over what? two two and a half to go over two and a half to go over two and a half plus one fifty five for Dustin okay. and then under two and a half minus one ninety 
for Connor. I think it's going to go to the third, maybe the fourth. So you could even go that. Yeah. Possibility, because then you're just you're just hoping for time. Yeah, I mean, like, it makes you nervous though, because Connor <laughs> saying mine is Connor saying sixty hey. seconds. Well, you know, there there was that name that uh, he used to use called Mystic Mac. Yeah, if you remember. He was pretty good at you know when he when he would say something it was Ali like when oh. you know he'd come up with these things and he was he was right on with them so that doesn't mean that in saying you know he's going to win this in a minute I don't see him winning it in a minute I don't think that's going to happen I think it'll be a longer fight but crazier things have happened this is very true Michael Chandler is minus one hundred five Dan Hooker is pl- uh, minus one twenty five. So that's beautiful. That means that it's close to an even fight mm-hmm. with the bookies. And so, really, who do you think is going to win the fight? <sighs> three-round fight, buddy. I mean, three-round fight. So you're going to put down $105 to win 100 with Michael Chandler. That means you'd get 205, 205 bucks back. That's beautiful. It's, it's really a question of who, you know, in this one, this is you know, a pick em. And yeah. it's it's that kind of fight. I, I can see where Dan Hooker can win. He's the favorite at minus 125 with the, uh, you know, gambling. And you look and you go, I can understand why they're saying it because I think they're kind of looking at what you're saying as far as, well, it's Chandler's first fight in the yeah. UFC. There's pressure, all that stuff. I don't think that that's going to get to Michael Chandler. I think he's too mature now as a fighter. If he was in his 20s, possibly. Not where he's at at 34 years of age. It's not going to happen. I would take Michael Chandler in that, putting a hundred dollars, hundred five dollars down to to win the hundred. I would go with Dan Hooker. Okay, the knee up the middle, the pressure. That, see that that was my thing, man. I, I looked at, I was watching Dan Hooker's fights, and I'm going, that knee up the middle could be a big problem for Michael Chandler. The knee up the middle, the pressure of Michael Chandler having to perform in a new promotion. That first fight in a new promotion is the roughest doesn't matter if you've been there before it just always has that i have a big contract they're paying me to be here you put the you put the pressure on yourself to perform and the other thing as well is you if you can get through all the cringeworthy comments that that michael chandler's made throughout all his interviews this last two weeks okay it's it's very there's a lot of pressure he's put on himself of calling out khabib calling out connor calling out he's he's calling out everyone i mean it seems like he's a little distracted instead of focusing on the guy who's in front of him now I know that he's mature enough to go ahead and just focus on the one guy. I get it, John. I understand. Yeah. But it's like a kid in a candy story. He just can't keep other people's names out of his mouth. He's just like just keeps feeding himself. Like, oh, I want to have this. I want to have that. Bro, you got a guy who's six foot, six one, right in front of you that throws a nice knee right up the middle, right up the pipe. It's, if that thing touches your chin, it's over. You know. So I, I'm. I would say I'd probably do the minus one twenty five on Hooker. Okay. You know, and I look and I do like Michael Chandler in a three round fight potentially to win. But I think I think all these pressure, all these pressure. You look at some of the past fights, Marvin Eastman and and uh, and Quentin Jackson. I use that one all the time. Sure. Quentin, he won that fight. That was his first fight in the UFC. He didn't look great. He didn't look. No, he, he didn't look good. Like every time a fighter comes into a new promotion, they don't look very good. Their first fight, you know, and. Sometimes they can dig through it and get and get the win, but then there's times where they don't and they end up losing. I want to say who was it that was Shogun and and, and Forrest Griffin wasn't Shogun 
uh for forces forces uh first uh was shogun correct in the ufc shogun's first fight in the ufc was, was the UFC 76 with forest grip and forest beat him yep yes and that was one of those fights where it's like new promotion new i mean it just i felt like that and then after that what shogun came back what a couple years later or whatever and beat him right and beat forest yeah. correct i don't know did they, for the did title they that was for the title yeah, that's right. Shogun beat him for the title. No, 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 no. Rashad beat Rashad beat uh, Rashad beat uh, Forrest. Forrest for the title. Then Lyoto beat Rashad. Got then it. Shogun ended up beating Lyoto the second time. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. I thought, but they did fight again though. Shogun and, and Forrest fought twice, I believe. I could, be, I, could, I could be wrong. Okay. Well, good job, Dave. Way to be on top of it. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I th you were asking about yes, fifteen different yes. questions, and then I, as soon as I go to this, I knew you were going to come back to the to, odds don't try and to like, coat that you were on top. <laughs> yeah, of it. I understand. Yeah. This is this is what we like to do. Uh, okay, so did Shogun. You, did you want to find out? Well, yeah. Tell me. Well, where, where, which question what, what, ended up being the question? What, were you, the, did Forrest Griffin. Did he fight him? Did he fight him twice? Twice, yes. Yes, he did. And he won the second one. Okay, he won the second one. Okay, glad you're keeping up with us, Dave. <laughs> Man, he's over here. He's picking his dirt out from oh underneath his nails. Oh, oh it's so good. I love it. I love. I love to get <laughs> podcasted. Have you guys haven't heard it? He's got a Scottish accent. I love it. I love. If it. you guys haven't heard, you yeah, mean the? If you haven't heard, the seventy thousand subscribers we've yeah. had for the last year and a half. Well, we're at eighty five now. Yeah. So we're eighty four something. We've got most 10, of them are Scottish. Actually. Ten ten thousand. Ten most of them are Scottish. <laughs> ten thousand. Ten thousand in the last week. That's ten. called the Connor effect. Yeah, You've heard cool. of the butterfly effect? Yes. We just we just were influenced by the Connor effect. Very good. Josh, I thought you read the comments <laughs> and you would know it's a podcast Dave effect. Pulse kid. Uh, oh man. A a podcast don't, Dave don't even start. Oh goodness. Dude. It's been fun. I'm trying to take credit now. <laughs> All right. Well, hopefully you guys enjoyed uh, our Wayne and on the odds segment and uh, take our advice. Don't take our advice, but it is something I think that you guys might may be interested in. Look, whatever we decided and you guys want to decide something else, we are okay with it. But hit us in the comment section as well and let us know. Also, while you're in that comment section, make sure you guys hit the subscribe button, hit the thumbs up. That also uh, helps our subscribes go up because that spreads our videos out to everyone else that's interested in MMA. So it helps with the logarithm. Right, Dave? Yep. to help get people to see our videos. So that puts our videos above Ariel Hawani and DC and, and other Who's people. That? Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> we're trying to, we're trying to establish that we're the number one MMA podcast out there. A lot of you seem to agree, but I'd like to make sure that we continue that. So hit that subscribe button down below, hit the thumbs up that shares our videos. And we thank you guys for that. Um, what else do we got? We got some, some fan questions. Q &A. We owe people fan questions. Yes, we do. Because look, we had said two weeks ago, or three weeks ago, th two two weeks two weeks ago, we said, "Hey, can we get yep. you guys to get us to five thousand uh, likes?" First time we just came up just shy. Second time we got over to we got over five thousand. Third time we blew up. What was it like? That was the Connor uh, video. 20, that was twenty thousand likes. Beautiful, great job. So we owe them four. We owe them question and answer shows. We owe them four Q and A's because <laughs> they did it four times in one sitting. Or just four questions and answers. Or that could Ooh. be no. Nah, we can't do that to them. Let's do them dirty. <laughs> Let's do them dirty. Connor Let's was another show because they actually did fifteen thousand for Connor. So they did fifteen thousand for Connor. I'm just, no, it was okay. twenty thousand. I'm kidding. Oh, on. gotcha. All right, give us I some don't questions. Your brain to work that well. Some Q and A. Let's go, buddy. All right. Uh, the first question comes from 
XO Hype and he wants to know, John, has it ever happened to you or have you seen it happen when Dana slings a belt around the champ and it hits the ref in the nuts? <laughs> no, it has never happened to me and I've never seen it happen. Dana's actually quite skilled with the <laughs> sling of the belt around and everything and you know that it's coming so you kind of just like kind of take your hips and you're moving a little bit off to the side and you know you're not going to get hit by it so <laughs> who, who never had it, that problem who does it in bellator does scott cook with it it depends yeah normally it's scott no scott's now usually, it's scott yeah now it's scott when it was strike force and when scott owned strike force he always had Corey schaefer for the yeah. most part do it so everyone thought Corey schaefer was scott, scott coker but mm. here in bellator if scott's not there then it's usually the matchmaker rich chow Yep. that'll go in and, and do it but most of the time the president this, the man in charge scott coker is the guy you see throwing that belt around the fighters waist all right carlos macedo wants to know who's he said who's 2020 run i'm guessing he means who's 2021 run uh do you guys are you guys looking forward to the most who's 2021 run are you guys oh, looking forward to the fighter most? wise yep or if you like triathlons i guess uh <laughs> so there's a couple there's a couple guys i'm looking to see um for me it's uh yaroslav amasov for me in the promotion with bellator i want to see where he goes i want to see how well he does uh he's 26 and 0 right now he's uh he's got the number one record in all of mma i mean now that khabib is retired so uh, he has the number one record he is someone and then kevin holland i want to see where he goes he just had a great performance against Jacare Souza, knocked him out. Uh, did it in the first round. I want to see what happens there. I want to see where he goes. Give the big mouth the biggest fights. Let's go. I'm excited. Hey. Uh, he he amps me up. He wants. He makes me want to watch every single time he fights. Yeah, no doubt about it. I I agree with you. I, I would pick Kevin Holland as one. I would pick uh, Kamzat Chimaev as another. I want to see exactly where he goes. I want to see how he does against Leon Edwards. You know, it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, if you're looking at Bellator, there's a couple of, you know, Magomed Magomedov. I want yes. to see exactly what he's doing there. That will be fun. And then I also want to see, uh, I want to see Nemkov and see what he does as the champion. I want to see the fights that he puts on now that people are putting the target on his back, especially with the competition that he is going to be facing. That's going to be interesting. Yeah. Here's the other thing. There, I mean, look, and we've been getting, there's been a lot of people talking about MVP, uh, especially as of lately, like, hey, what's going to happen with him? Like, what are we going to do? And I'm like, well, right now it's just, it's all title type, title type fights for him. He's got to fight the best. He's got to fight a Logan Storley. He's got to fight a Yaroslav Amosov. He's got to fight, um, you know, I, I don't want to see the Paul Daly fight again, but you got to get him those kind of, I want to see the Lorenz, Lorenz Larkin fight. Him and Lorenz Larkin would be a great fight. I want to mm -hmm. see that fight. You that's know, what um, I think that they should make. Yeah, that's exactly the fight that I think they should make. Uh, I want to get into that. Those type of fights. Him and him and uh, Amosov would be a real great fight. Real simple. If you're looking at the welterweights in Bellator, MVP should be fighting Lorenz Larkin and Yaroslav Amosov should be fighting the champion Douglas Lima. That's very true. Yes. And then because uh, I but I think Naaman Gracie, uh, from what I understand, Naaman Gracie is fighting potentially uh, maybe an MVP. So MVP okay. or fighting somebody else, if that happens, I mean, that would be a great fight. You yep. know, I mean, that's a huge step up in competition as well. Naaman's very good on the ground. He's enormous for the weight. 
Um, he had a great fight with Rory McDonald. He came up short, but they went the distance. He had his moments in the fight. I, I think I think that's a good fight to make if they do decide to make that fight. But yeah, I think you're going to see MVP in this year. He's going to end up fighting two to three times, given the COVID situation. If it does start to subside now that we have a new president, we can move on and we can start to do this, uh, you know, fights more frequently, more often, maybe even get crowds back. So we'll see what happens. Yep. I'll do next. Uh, Billy Boy wants to know. He has two. Billy questions. Boy, Billy Boy, he's asked questions before. <laughs> oh, I, I re- recognize it. Um, well, he is one for you, John, and one for Josh, and they were both okay. good, so I included both. Uh, he wants to know from John, what is a difficult part of officiating a fight that's overlooked, in your opinion? <laughs> overlooked? Uh, the positioning of the referee. Most people think that they're just moving around and. Uh, which is going are. where they want. Yeah, Which no, they they're not. <laughs> you know, and it's uh there's there's positioning that you want to be in, especially as the fighters are moving. There's open side, closed side, there's all these different things that you need to be thinking about. And you need to be able to get yourself to a position where you can see things if they happen. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't, but if you're not in position, you'll never see them. So the positioning of the referee is super important. A lot of referees. Uh, have really bad positioning because they just don't understand it. Most of the top referees understand exactly where they're supposed to be and why they're supposed to be there. And that's a huge element that the fans never look at that makes a referee either be successful or if they don't have it, that's why they have problems and end up making bad calls. The positioning, though, is generally where the camera wants to be. So the camera angle that yes. you are seeing on TV is generally where the ref will be. So if you guys are wondering what when John's talking about positioning, normally you'll see the ref come in into the camera angle right when the camera gets there or right when the camera's in the shot. So then you'll see the camera when the ref gets in the picture or come in a little bit, the angle will change because the ref's right where you want to be. Well, I just learned that the last time because I was like, how come the camera angles are not where we want them to be? Because the ref is right in the way. Bingo. <laughs> you know, and it, it, it's, uh, it's so true. Like, Anthony Giordano is the guy who's he's been the director of the UFC forever. He used to yell at me all the time. God damn it. You're in my shot. And I said, God damn it. I don't give a shit. <laughs> it is just I'm going to go where I need I to go it. so I can see what I need to see. And so you're going to have it, you know, uh, Rick Bazinski is at Bellator, and he used to say the same thing to me. He says, well, where, where, why are you going to be here? This is why I'm going to be here. You see the fighters like this? You, this is where I'm going to be. He goes, okay, at least I know where you're going to be, so I'll, I'll, ha- I'll know where the camera that I want to go. Because you're looking, they have, you know, dependent upon the show, but four to eight cameras that they can jump to. Well, the referee doesn't have that ability to jump to those. You've got to make that angle work for you, so you got to put your body there. So it's it's... There's a battle back and forth. You know, if you're the referee, there's many times that, you know, the the perfect place for you to stand puts you in a position where you're right in front of the camera. In that position, I usually didn't care. If I was right in front of the judge, I would always try to move myself a little bit out so the judge could see the action that was happening. But, you know, these are all little things that, you know, take place in fights and it's all stuff you got to work with. Uh, for you, Josh, Billy Boy wants to know what was the hardest part for you when it came down to preparing for a fight? Absolutely nothing. There was nothing that was hard. <laughs> there was nothing that was hard. I loved it so much. None of it was hard. It wasn't. I, I mean, if I want to be like, if I want to make, I'm just 
being a smart ass, but it's true, is I had a hard time giving up soda. I love to drink soda. And so like it would literally like I wouldn't stop drinking soda until about four weeks out. I would always just I'd push it every time too. Sometimes even three weeks. I would drink I would drink a soda after training. Every time I'd I'd go to this little sushi spot, get some chicken and rice, and then a little bit of a couple sushi rolls, salmon roll, and then I'd always order a soda. I'd have one soda, and then I would you know drink water after that. But that would be the one thing. That would be the one thing that like probably was the hardest for me for training. The rest of it was it was an everyday thing. Even when I wasn't training for a fight, I was still training. Like it's not like I stopped. How how hard was the diet as far as when it when it got serious and you were close to the fight, you had to really start being tight with your your diet. How hard was it when you were going out at times and people were eating all kinds of really good food that you liked that you knew you couldn't have? How tough was it? Well, that was the thing is I never I never went out when it was okay, fight, that, when it, that, that took care of that problem there, there was things that i learned that you just don't do during camp i don't go to movie theaters the smell of popcorn, oh, popcorn. and food and all that Damn. other crap horrible like you walk in you're like i want popcorn like first thing and i don't even fucking like popcorn <laughs> but the smell of the butter and the smell of popcorn has made you want it stop going to movie theaters never went to restaurants never because i mean i would go get sushi but sushi like when you go to a sushi restaurant there's no smell. It smells like fish. No. Like it, it's, not, it's not a smell that you crave and desire. You know what I mean? So it just, there was, there was nothing. I, I cut all those things out. And in terms of like the week of, like I wasn't, it wasn't hard for me. I never had a hard time making weight. I was not a big guy. I was a big no. guy when, when the, when I had first got signed to the UFC, we were considered the two biggest lightweights at the time, but I was not a big guy. You know, it was Eves Edwards and myself, and I was not a big guy though. So there was Eves. Yeah, and, and now there was Eves. And when we got like when we became older and we started losing a little bit of our muscle, and like it just, I was not a big guy. So the weight cut was never much. I always walked around seventy to seventy-two, somewhere there, sometimes seventy-three. You know, but I never had a hard time making weight. I mean, the last probably two pounds was always the worst, and I never strained to make weight either. I think that's probably why my career lasted so long, and that's why my performances were always fine going into the third and the fifth round. As I never cut a lot of weight, I'm not a big guy. If you compare me next to other chicken leg people like podcast Dave over here, okay, I, I'm not a big guy. I mean, like he's six foot, really fat, got the dad bod going, you know, oh, but. Dude. But yeah, I'm I'm not I'm not a big guy, so it wasn't ever that hard for me. I just I had I had to set standards, uh, things for, I had to set goals for myself and standards for myself of what I could and could not do throughout camp to make sure that I stayed on my on my uh, on on my plan. And my plan was just basically don't go to restaurants because there's too many enticing things. You see a dessert being brought out, you want one, you know. Um, I, I didn't go to like, you know, there was every time there was like a big fight, like two or three weeks before my fight and people would all go to say Buffalo Wild Wings or Hooters. Or, I never went. I never went because I knew that there was nothing good there that I wanted to eat. So I just never went. So I just always stayed home and was it's a very fighting is a very lonely life sometimes. You know, and if you want to be the best at what you're doing, you've got to stay dedicated to your craft and what you're doing. Stay focused on what your goals are. You know, um, I got away from that for a point of my career and I had a lot of troubles. I mean, that was when I lost to Clay, but then I snapped out of it because a couple of my buddies, you know, Trevor Pring would be one of them. Smacked you around. Yeah, smacked me around a little bit. Like, hey, get your shit together, buddy. You could be good. You are good. Just you could be better. And so that was a reality check. And I think once that happened, it was just strictly all just new, making sure the nutrition was on point, making sure training was, you know, and once, once, uh, 
once once contracts were signed, okay, you're home. Cardio home, this and home. Like I was on a schedule. Nothing ever broke it. Nothing. So James Davis wants to know who are the most intriguing female Bellator prospects? Mm. <laughs> what do you what do you, what do you want like, what do you mean though? <laughs> like uh, <laughs> like what do you mean? Um look, there's a couple. Um Alejandra Lara to me is she's intriguing only based on the fact that when she first came in, she had lost to Alimale McFarlane, who was the champion for a long stint. But she wasn't a full, she wasn't a very well-rounded fighter at the time. She was good, but she wasn't well-rounded. She now has possessed, like, she's now all of a sudden possessed really good grappling, very big power in her hands. The way that she fought Vito Ortega and she was able to just dismantle her and put her put her on moving backwards. Not a lot of people do that to Vita. Vita is actually someone that walks people down and makes you break under pressure. And she did that to Vita. I would say she's one of them. And the other one is um Janae Harding. I think she has come into her own a little bit now. And she is in a better place, I think, as well, uh, mentally and in her personal life as well. And she's found a, and she's where she needs to be. I think the gains that we have seen her on the ground as of her recent fight, uh, her last fight, and the progressions I, I saw her make in that fight. I think she's got, she's still got a ways to go. But we're talking future, and I'm saying her and Alejandra Lara are probably the two I think that have bright futures ahead of them if they continue to stay on the path of what they are. I like your pick with Alejandra Lara. She's she's really good and she's getting better. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go down into younger fighters, I guess, and I would say Valerie Lareda. Look, she's she's fun to watch. She's explosive. She's actually got power. She moves a lot. She dances after the fight, which is always good. Alejandra Lara dances before the fight, coming down the ramp and stuff, which is always good. But um, I think that she's just a fun fighter. She's good. She's fun to watch, and she's young in her career. Now, does that mean she's going to be great? Who knows? But she, uh, yeah, she, she had that beautiful knockout in her last fight. She runs over to the cage, and she tells John and I to follow her on TikTok. <laughs> and John and I looked at her, and I looked, and I, I just had started hearing about TikTok like right yeah, around that time. What's TikTok? And I was like, TikTok. I'm like, I'm thinking it's got to be a social media app, you know. And that was the first thing that went through my mind. I'm like, man, I'm so disconnected from that part of it. But you're right. She, <laughs> she's uh, what I what I like about her the most is that she is someone that it takes a lot of energy to move that much. Yeah, she is always on the move, and she obviously possesses some power in her hands. She's not just all kicks, sidekicks, movement. She's she possesses the power in her hands as well. She needs to grow a little bit more. She is training with a good team down at ATT. She's got a good group of girls that are down there to, to make her better. Um, she has room for growth as well. But I want to see what she can do on the ground. What is she going to do when someone gets her to the ground? There's a lot to be desired there in terms of her marketability and her style of fighting and and, and all those things. But they're going to start. She's going to have to start fighting these other these other girls with good wrestling, good jiu-jitsu, good grappling. It's good, and I want to see where she gets to that point. But I do think uh, I'm on the same path as you. I think that she is someone that you can definitely build around. Well, the other two that you know, I would bring up, first off, Denise Kielholtz is really coming to her own. Yeah. And uh, she's got great stand-up, her ground. She's got a lot of submission wins. But the other one is there was the girl from Ryzen, Kana, and I cannot say her last name, so I'll, I'll screw this up. 
but Kana um, was an Olympic uh, judo uh, player also. Our champion, Juliana Velasquez, was a national team a member in Brazil, but Kana ended up, uh, she was the only win for Ryzen against Bellator when she beat Joanna, mm-hmm. and uh, she's good. So she, she hasn't fought in Bellator yet, but yeah. she's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, yeah, there's look, and I want to give a big shout out to our who is now our current champion. I mean, even our former champion, Lima McFarland, she's amazing, she did an amazing job holding the belt for yep. so many title defenses. But Juliana Velasquez, she is not someone to be reckoned with. I mean, the, I really believe the that she's going to have that title for a long time. I think Alima Lay McFarlane will make her run back, and we'll see what happens when that time comes. But I think Juliana Velasquez is just nasty good. She possesses some big power. She's got good takedown defense. She's also a judo black belt. She was, as John likes to say, she was on the judo national team. Am I correct? And yep. she's good. But she doesn't use her judo. She very rarely uses her jiu-jitsu. She's more of an anti-wrestler, anti-judo person, and more of a striker. Wants to get in your grill and try and knock you out. I think she. Uh, I think she's gonna. We're gonna see a lot out of her in the next couple of years. Yeah. So I'm excited. I agree. Thane Vakadian asks, "Why is DC avoiding Max Holloway?" I don't even know. Huh? What, I don't know what that means. Oh, uh, you guys. He was joking. Oh. <laughs> okay. I was like, what? <laughs> uh, DC and him are like really close friends. Yeah. And okay. so that's a joke is that yeah. DC's avoiding him in a fight because oh. Max is willing to go up to heavyweight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord, you guys. Uh, we're too old. Well, this is what happens when you're doing with old, old men. Yeah, we're this too is old. exactly it. I just couldn't understand the joke it. coming out of a Scottish accent. Scottish. All right. Uh, last one because we've got some wrap up things to do um, on, okay. on this. So Daryl Mead wants to know. Do you see Max Holloway moving up to 55 to possibly rematch Connor? John, if it's an option, I would I would see yes. If it's not, I don't think it's an option though. I mean, Connor's come out and said, I think it was today he came out and said he'd be interested in having that fight at 155, you know, for Max cuz he'd like, you know, he'd like to give Max the opportunity to right the wrong. And um and I I I think Connor's kind of in that nostalgia era now like, hey, these guys have shown that they're class acts. And I think he like I think he likes both of them. He likes Dustin and he likes Max. I think he likes them as competitors. He likes them as people. They're very respectful. I think if you're going to give someone a run back, it might as well be the guy who's been the longest, one of the longest standing champions there at 145. I mean, there's been Jose and there's been him, pretty much. I mean, in terms of the longest standing champions at 145, and so why not? Why not give him the run back? And I think Max would jump on the opportunity to do it. Do I think it'd be wise for Max? No. I think he would have to gradually get himself back up to 155 or get up to 155 instead of what he did with the Dustin fight. So, but I, do I think he would do it? Hell yeah. He's fucking Hawaiian. You think he gives two shits <laughs> about that? He's like, hell yeah, he's going to take that damn fight. Here, let me just say two words. Scrap, bro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's for like, sure going to do it. I I. Max would definitely do it. I'm not sure that's what I want to see. I'd like to see Max. You're going to get Volkanovski and Ortega. Max is the number one guy. Whoever wins that, he's obviously faced both of those guys before. He's lost twice to Volkanovski. I think he won the second one, but it was a close fight. Um, I just look at Max. If you don't like Max Holloway, you don't like MMA. He's just fun to watch. He'll fight anybody, and he's a good 
fucking dude, even though he likes DC. That's a problem. <laughs> yeah, I have to I have to agree with you. If you don't like Max Holloway, you probably don't like yourself. That's something some inner side inside you means that you're just not a very happy person. He's a great he seems to be a very great person. Met him a couple of times at some of the Bellators in Hawaii when we've had our events there. He's always nice, always respectful. People run up to him, try to get pictures, autographs. He stood there the whole time waiting for everyone to make sure that everyone got pictures. He's a great person, and he's obviously fun as hell to watch fight. Just gives it all, lays it all out there, so love it. Um, <clears throat> do we have anything else, Dave? Nope. We will do some more Q&As. We know we owe you guys. But yes. go to go to mybookie.ag or mybookie.com. Okay, use the promo code Wayne in. If you input $500 for your first time only, they will give you another 50% on top of that. So you'll get you get $250 to add to that for them to for you to spend of their money. So you'll have $750 to spend if you do that. Use the promo code Wayne in at mybookie.com or mybookie.ag. And also go to prowrestlingtees.com slash Wayne in. Use the promo code podcast. You get an additional 20% off for that as well. And there is, like John likes to say, a plethora of shirts to choose from. So make sure you guys do that. Check out all the I'm shirts. I'm wearing one right now. Are you? I don't see it. I, it it's, it's it's not as good as yours. No, I got no, nothing. Look. I, I love nothing, yours. Nothing, but I do nothing. have the uh, Terminator nice. right there, baby. Very I gotta, nice. I got to get me one of those. It's on the You way. guys can it's get a Terminator shirt. Did you do that shirt. full order that we asked yeah. about? I haven't done that. No, because I. I'll explain oh, okay. it off air, but okay. yeah. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. All right. And you guys, we wanted to bless you guys with another special guest today who just so happens to be one of the best 135 pounders in Bellator, but also happens to be the teammate of Conor McGregor. So we would like you guys to welcome James Gallagher. A man that can make eggs. All right, everyone, we are... Honored and lucky enough to be able to have the Strabanimal, James Gallagher, one of the best 135-pound fighters in the world, to communicate with us as his teammate from the Straight Blast Gym in Dublin, Ireland, will be fighting this Saturday. We're going to get a prediction out of him. I doubt it's going to be for Dustin Poirier, but it might be. No, it won't be. But... <laughs> James Gallagher, how you doing, man? Good to see you, brother. Thanks very much, man. It's good to be on. So it is. I'm, a, I'm a pumped and excited song for this weekend, and uh, it's going to be a good weekend for the Irish. Well, we know that you have, you're have. you not actually in Dublin, Ireland. You are in no. Kansas City, Missouri, yeah. working out with James Krause at the Glory Gym. How is all of that going? It's been something else. So it is. I came out for three weeks before Christmas um just to see what what things are like and I, i've been speaking away to james for a, for a long time now probably by about a year since I, since i fought in dublin i think i kind of like started to know who james was and i i've been working with uh, tyler minton uh for my nutrition and ham and james are really tight friends so they are and they've been always speaking back and forward and stuff and i was like i'll just start you know, getting in the mix a little bit and then James has just welcomed me out to train. He's like, yeah, come out anytime. And then I was studying him and watching him. So then before Christmas, the COVID and shit happened. So I was like, fuck it. I'll go out, go out and visit James and the guys out, out in glory and see see what, what what's going on out there. And it was great, man. So it was this high, high level, amazing coach. So he's and you can see why he has got so many guys fighting at the at the top level. It's It ain't for no reason. 
So um, a couple of guys that I work with here in San Jose uh, out of AKA, they're from Kansas and they're like, it's almost like COVID doesn't exist out there. <laughs> they said people yeah. are not like, no one's really walking around with masks. Everyone just still going out, hanging out. I mean, I don't know if the bars and stuff are open, but they're like, man, they're like people are just walking around like no one's business. What's it like? Is that, is that a big reason why you came out to the, to the States or at least to come to Kansas to train because Ireland's just shut down? Yeah, definitely a, a little bit because of that, but I've been, it's been on my cards for a while now to come out here. And I've just never, I've been, I'm just so busy these days. I've got other stuff going on as well, with the, as well as fighting and training and stuff. Obviously, training and, and fighting is number one. But then I just had like stuff to do in Ireland and like, you know, little stuff on the side tracks that I could never just get up and go. And then when COVID hit, then it was just kind of back to the drum board. Nothing was going on. So it was kind of like, what well, what do you do now? How do, I, how do I grow? How do I learn? How do I progress? And I was texting James and James has been back and forth with me for a while now, giving me like just financial advice and investment advice. And we've been talking. I was like, fuck it, I'm going to come out and stay for a couple of weeks. And then I enjoyed it that much. Then I was fuck it, I'm going to come out and just, just stay for a while and see how things go. And, and obviously I've got the, I've got the best of both worlds. You know what I mean? I've got, as Jay-Z said, what's, what's better than one billionaire? Two. <laughs> now, two of the best coaches in the world. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Coach me. And, and that's, that's just, that's just what I, what I feel like that I need it. Do you know what I mean? What is one of the biggest things that you have taken away so far? I mean, how, how many weeks have you been there first? That's one. And two is what are the biggest things? Not that you wouldn't have got it from uh, SPG, but just in terms of like, what are, what are one or two things that you've actually been able to take away that you've been able to implement into your game right off the bat from James Cross? Yeah, I've been here. So I came for like three weeks. So I did the last time and then now I'm here two or three weeks. I think I'm here already. And I'm planning is probably staying until just probably March, April time. I'm going to fight in April. Okay. So uh, I'll probably just stay here until, until I fight. And then uh, I say the... The biggest difference is probably just on the, on the style. So it is you no know, the the style of fighting that they've got here is where back home it's you know, the people are very good like traditional martial artists, and we're here it's kind of like you got that heavy wrestling base, and then a good kickboxing base. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Is where back home it feels like you've got like a karate taekwondo style with the jujitsu base. Mm-hmm. So it's good to mix it up and get that different, you know, that different pressure and that different uh, way of fighting because some technique works on these guys and some techniques work on them guys. So it's good to get get it get it from everything. And he's got a big gym, and is there? You know what I mean? They're they're far from a one one dimension dimensional gym. Every everyone you go with different, and it's new bodies, new faces every day. And his way of coaching is. <clears throat> it, it's something that we have always like uh, back home. We've always done as kind of like you, as John says, is it uh, what does he say? Is you update the software and there's some hardware and that little phrase he, he's got. I'm not, I'm not too sure it off the top of my head, but <laughs> here they, they implement that very well. It's all drilling, very light sparring, and just hours of drilling. It's like I haven't trained this this much in a in a long time. Doing two three sessions a day, and it's just about getting the repetitions in over and over and over until you've got them beat into your head. And uh, that that's one thing James is good at is keeping that drive, keeping that motivate motivate motivation in the gym, and making sure everyone's trying to push to learn. No one's trying to beat beat you up in the gym and prove a point in the gym. Everyone's just trying to learn and drive and progress skill wise. Do you know what I'm saying? So there's no battles in the gym. There's no, no 
heavy, heavy spar, no big cuts, no getting busted up. And I've just been loving it. It's been great. Lots of learning, lots of fun. And, and I've been having a great time out here. I'm looking forward to getting back in there and showing, showing what I've learned. I, I tell guys all the time that it's very important for you to step out of your comfort zone, which you have yeah. with SBG, <laughs> and go to other places. And it doesn't mean that you're you're leaving your gym, but it's no, good to it's go not, learn what other guys are doing. Everyone gets so deep about it. Like you're <laughs> oh, I know, it's crazy. <laughs> but And I can tell you, I've been out to James Krause's gym. I did stuff at his gym. I watched him teach. And... I think it was about two shows ago we talked about if if you were going to uh, have someone train you that was a fighter, you know, who would it be? I, I picked James Krause because he's yeah. that good at it. He's outstanding at understanding, you know, what works for one guy doesn't work for another. So what's going to work for this guy? And it's good that you're working with him. It's uh, yeah. I salute you for being smart enough to go expand your repertoire. I had already nice I, I had already retired before he made that pick though. Just wanted to make sure that he understood. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yes. Yes. You had uh, retired because you're old as hell. Yes, I am. <laughs> uh I mean can, like is, can you is hear me? froze there. Oh, sorry. I said is some of the like I know that the COVID's made some of the changes on why you came over kind of to get away so you can get some training in, get ready for your fight, you know, potentially in April. Um, but sometimes it's feel like John was just saying, it feels good sometimes to get to other gyms and train with other people, get different looks, pick their brains, let them pick yours. It's kind of good to see like if your techniques work on other people from other gyms, it gets that feeling of like, okay, my stuff is really working here and it will work against other people in a fight. But is there, is there anyone that like John Kavanaugh has been like, Hey, you probably don't want to go to that gym or, you know, like I'm I sh actually, I shouldn't ask that question. Cause That's you're, people you under. Ask that. you're kind of, thinking, but are there, are there things that you guys have talked about? Like in terms of you should probably focus on certain, certain gyms. Yeah, definitely. It's just, especially for, for me, it's kind of, I got a big target on my back. You know what you I mean? I, yeah. I just can't walk into a gym and do you know what I mean? That's, that's stupidity. Do you know what I mean? Like, what you're going to pit me in against your best guy? You're going to hit smallest gloves you've gotten. You're going to pit me in the cage just straight off a flight and try and get me fucked up. Like, nah, man, that, that you're not, you're not doing, you're not doing that to me. Do you know what yeah. I mean? I'm too smart. That is, so I'm, I'm here to get good. I'm here to learn. I'm here to grow. And and that's the one of the best. That's the the reason why I came here because it's one of those gyms where I, you can just walk in and you can't. Everyone's there. I I've walked in and. There's not one person that felt that was trying to like outdo me or do you know what I mean? Oh, he's a belt or guy or whatever. Let's let's get him. It's everyone's like, oh, you're you're him. It's like, can you show me this? And I've been watching your fight, and I think if uh if you added this into your game, it would help you. And everyone's just been great trying to help me and improve me and work with me some great guys like uh, Tim Elliott. He's out here flyweight. Uh, you got Grant Dawson. There's Fucking tons of Kevin Kroon. I'm working with a ton of high level guys, and it's just great to be in the mix and, and see what it's like to be in the mix with these guys. And and as you say, I, I just can't walk into any gym, and I'm thankful for these guys and James and stuff to provide environment that I can learn in. And having John speak, the, uh, so John and uh, James Kreiser are speaking to make sure that I've got the perfect environment to learn in and grow. And I'm very thankful that I have guys around me like that that can watch out for me while I can just focus on training, just focus on learning. I don't have to worry 
about going on. Oh, I have to watch that partner. I have to watch this because I know James is going to be there and he's going to be watching. And he's going to be making sure that we're getting what we need. And I'm, I'm very grateful for that. You talked. Well, to- oh, go ahead. Sorry, John. I'm sorry. You let's talk about your career and all of that because you are, you're 11 and one. You have nine yeah. submission victories in those 11 wins. So you're completely different than the guy that's the star out of your gym, the guy that everyone looks up to in Connor. Connor is known as a striker, and you are known as a superior grappler, especially when it comes to MMA grappling. It's different than jujitsu. Yeah. You are fantastic when you step in the cage and that fight hits the ground. You are doing things that are always advancing your position to the point where you get the submission. Your last submission was a beautiful rear naked choke against Cal Eleanor who was a very good ground guy, said yeah. he was going to submit you. Now that you're at this point and you're training in different places and you're looking at you know, the Bellator roster because at 135, the Bellator roster has really just exploded with talent. How many fights do you think it should be before you, if you continue to win, get a shot at that title and if given the opportunity to be the matchmaker for your next match, who is it that you think you should be fighting? Yeah, well, one more in the bell. That's it. And to be honest, I would love to knock Patchy Mix out. So, but he doesn't have the balls they stand. So I'm going to have to strangle him. <laughs> okay, so why are you wanting to knock somebody out when you are able to submit all these guys and you still want to go for the knockout? Because I feel like he doesn't have the balls to stand with me. I feel like he doesn't have the ball. That's that's why that's why I want to do it. I want to, I want to, he's, he's 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 the grappler. Like he's he's the grappler, and he's going. I can stand anyone. I can do this, and I can do that. And I'm going, mate. You're going to dive in my legs in three seconds after the first strike. And he's talking all this shit online. I'm going. You don't have the balls to do it. So I would love to knock him out, but unfortunately, I'm not going to get that chance because he's just going to be diving on legs straight away if we fight. So I'll just submit him. I will. I'll just submit him. But I would love to knock him out. But but that's a great matchup. Where you're looking strength versus strength. He's got a great ground game. You've got a great ground game. I think it's a great matchup. Josh, yeah. are you hinting to us that that's maybe potentially in April? I hope so. But <laughs> I'm I'm ready. Has there has there been talk about who it potentially will be in April? Well, it makes sense just me and him. I think. Yeah, I I think so. I'm gonna. I haven't been speaking to him yet, but I'm gonna go and, and pit it to him and, and say he's gonna call me out. And just saying, I'm all talk. He's like, well, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not talking. I'm going to get contracts done. If I'm gonna get contracts signed. That, that's where I'm going. I'm going to Belter. I'm not talking online. I'm not running from anyone. He's the one that's doing all that. He's talking, saying I'm all talk. And I'm just here working and grinding and whoever the pit in front of me, I'm going to be ready for. But there's just something about him. I would love to spark him. And I want to, I want to have a fight. I want to stand up in the feet as well. Every, I haven't really got the opportunity. I've done it once and got knocked out myself. Yeah. And I want, to, I want to go back in there and I want to get back. I want to have a fight on the feet. I want to feel that out. I want to feel the range. I want to get get that time on the feet in the cages. You can do all this far and you want, but it's not the same as fighting. You know what I mean? And I haven't had a lot on the feet in the ring, so I want to. I want to get. I want to. I want to. Uh, I want to get that. And unfortunately, if I fight Patchy next, that ain't gonna be the one. <laughs> <laughs> that ain't gonna be the one. But I take what I'm getting. So you know, we we signed. Um... 
a former ACA champion in Magomed Magomedov. Did you watch his last fight? Yeah. And what, what what were your thoughts on him coming over for his first fight in his debut? Excellent. So great fighter, great opponent. I'm as someone who I would love to fight in the future, and he's up there. So he is. He's up there with the best, top top division. He's in the top five, I would say. So yeah. I think he's a big prospect, hard to handle. He's going to be a force to reckon with, and yeah, bring it on, bring it P- on. I'm Peter. Here. I'm like these challenges. I want, I want that pressure. I want the best. Everyone's saying I'm not fighting this, and well, now's the year. I'm, I'm let off the chains. I'm let this. His his only loss has been to Peter Yawn, and Peter Yawn's only loss has been to him. And so, like when you talk about fighting the best guys, he seems like he's right there up there, along with Patchy Mix and Juan Archuleta. Those are the you know seem like to be the top three guys, as well as yourself and the top four guys. You guys are the top four guys in Bellator. There was talk this whole like before we signed all these two hundred five pounders that the bantamweight uh, tournament was going to happen, the World Grand Prix was going to happen. Uh, is that something that sparks your interest uh, jumping into that uh, tournament? Yeah, hundred percent it does, but. I'm that close now. I don't. I don't feel like I need to do four fights to get the belt. I can just do one and get the belt. So. Well, you I'm mean you may you may you may end up being matched up against the the champ in the first round. You'll have the belt the whole time. Yeah. That's the other <laughs> that way is, of looking at it. <laughs> that is really not. But as I say, it's four fights guaranteed on paper. Then let, let's do it. Do you know what I mean? I that's a little. You know what you have in, in front of you. Then. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I'm 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 good with that. That's that's it's me. That's it's me. Good. I like to. I'm the kind of guy who's methodical about how I go about prep uh, preparation. So I like to know what I'm preparing for. Do you know what I mean? Like where now it's like difficult, it's like COVID this and my fight with Cal was called out three times. And so that would be like a treat to me to know, all right, you've got four fights on these dates coming up. There's not much that can go wrong there. Do you know what I mean? So that would, that would be nice and something I'd be definitely interested for. James, you're incredibly young. For the status of fighter this year, you're only 24 years of age, and yeah. you've got a ton laying ahead of you. But what is it that you know? You you basically have grown up with MMA, and mm. you've had it as part of you know who you are. What is it that you say is the difference now, as you look at things being James Gallagher than it was just two years ago? It's funny, you know. Even not even two years ago, like six months ago. Okay. A year ago, just my whole mind frame. I'm just growing up. Do you know what I mean? I'm becoming a man. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's kind of like funny. Do you know what I mean? When you're growing up as a kid, my dad was always there sending me, like, tell me stuff. It's like, before you know it, your life's just going to be a flash and all this. And then you're like, shit, dad, whatever. But now I'm actually maturing a little bit. And I'm starting to see all the shit that he was sent to me. <laughs> just, my fucker was right, you know what I mean? So I was right, <laughs> and I'm going, I need to get the next one. I need to do this. And he's going, your life's just going to flash in front of you. Just take your time, learn, grow, and go with the process. And I think I might have just started doing it. Four years, <laughs> 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 I think I might have started doing it. So, so that that that's uh, basically what I, I've been just focused on. Just just going on the moment, focusing on focusing on me, focusing on developing as a person, creating good habits every day. And you can always the the end goal is never it's just never what you how what you think of it. And it's kind of like me as a young kid. I was growing up and had all these dreams to obviously fight the big promotions and earn lots of money and 
And then I smoked them all. Do you know what I mean? I was earning way more than I ever thought I could earn a lot quicker. And I'm like, going, Bolly, what the fuck? I've got so much money in my bank account. You know what I mean? What's that about? We'll talk about that later because we need some yeah. over here. We're old and we don't have those yeah. jobs anymore. <laughs> you, real, you realize then after a while, all this stuff that you thought you were doing it for, you're, you're not really. You're, you're not doing it for the money. You're not doing it for this. You're just doing it because it's, this is me. I fucking love it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I would anything i'm not doing it to obviously i am doing it to get all those things and all those things are fucking great but the real reason why i'm doing it is because i sleep good at night knowing how hard i've worked and how how much i've progressed that day and how much i'm enjoying the sport and i feel just rejuvenated or something like a new sense of focus on in myself well you 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 talked about the money you talked about why you do this and your teammate is fighting this week, weekend and Conor McGregor. He also had started doing this, like basically kind of like you guys, you guys talked about doing this. This is what you guys love to do and the right things will fall into place. And I've, John and I talk about this all the time. Winning solves everything in this sport, in this industry, winning solves everything. You win, the money will come. And you've, you've proven that same thing with Conor. He's proven it. And a lot of the guys that are out of your camp have proven the same thing is give us some ideas on why your gym is that way. What, what makes you, what makes where they come from with the John Kavanaugh era of guys that are coming through there. What makes your guys is what makes you guys the way you are? What makes it work? Uh, I feel like when you have an environment like that, it's only people here like that are going to stay in it. Do you know what I mean? Anyone else feels uncomfortable when they walk in. It's kind of like here when you come to like Christ's gym, you go to SBG, it's, it's that same mentality of people who are just waking up every day on a tedious plan, just driven, 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 driven. And, and people be looking at it, people do it, and they're like, oh, you're living a life. And you're like, well, mate, I wake up at 7 in the morning, I go to the gym, train for two hours, come back, rest, have food, go back to the gym, do the same thing, go to bed, stretch at night, boom, 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 and it repeats. At the weekend, I get to have a walk and a day off. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, that, for me, living the life. That that you're right. I, I'm living the life, but people just see all the nice things, and you're traveling here and traveling there, and and they think, oh, I, I want to do that, and then they realize, actually, wait a minute, to do all that, you've got to work your absolute bollocks off, feel down in the dumps, and feel like you're never getting anywhere, you're never progressing. There's days you come back and you just feel like, what am I even doing this for? I haven't progressed. I've got smoked today and training and. And then I get up the next day again, shake that cobweb off, and I go and do what I do. Yeah. And that that that's the difference. Me and Connor and these guys have got that mindset to just keep going because it's it, it's what we love. We love the progress of it. We love to we love to have the challenge with our own minds to be able to do what other people think we can. So we had Connor on last week, um, and I reached out to you a couple of days before. And I said, hey, I give me a little backstory on something real quick. Something I can ask him. And it's so, all about the eggs. Jay, who made <laughs> the best eggs and bacon in that whole thing? Who made the best eggs and bacon? Undefeated, undefeated in the egg making, big daddy. Undefeated <laughs> in the cooking <laughs> realm. <laughs> oh, man. I, I was, it was hilarious to hear Kyle. He just started cracking up and he sat back in his seat and he goes, man, that guy, he can sure make a good egg. Uh, <laughs> 
We used to be going over right in the place with them, you know, a few lads in the calf, and it was a bit of a mess or whatever. And we're there was Connor was fighting Brandon, and we were just always chilling and having a laugh and you know, whatever. And we get to the stage, and then I don't know, we'd all start getting hungry after a few hours, and we'd all be kind of looking at each other, you know what I mean? Who's up? Who, whose turn is it the night you get the eggs on here? And then we started, we'd have a group chat on the phone, and then one of us just sent in a picture of like bacon and eggs. Do you know what I mean? Wait, eyes, no, like the little emoji eyes and stuff. Uh, was awesome. So it was always me and Big Daddy because if if we had been waiting on Connor to fucking make the eggs, we'd have been starving. <laughs> <laughs> we'd be still waiting there. Uh, <laughs> good way to cut weight. Oh, man. <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be down to fly with if we're waiting on him to make a few eggs. <laughs> That's oh, great. Was, All right. Good times. Con- Connor is fighting. Obviously, this Saturday, I am not going to say that I, I expect you to pick Dustin Poirier to win the fight, but your yeah. teammate has come up with a prediction of he's going to win in the first 60 seconds. Yeah. Do you see that happening or do you see this being a different fight than really what took place basically six years ago? No, I can't, I can't see it being much, much different, you know, to be honest. I can see it. Uh, I can see it happening quick as well, but then on the other hand, I, I can see like a a few exchanges happening because Dustin's durable. Do you know what I'm saying? So I think. Do you remember when Connor fought like uh, Dennis Stever? Mm-hmm. Yep. I think it's going to be something like that, where he just goes in and he's just the skills too is too much. But Dustin's can he can take a shot, so it's just going to take Connor a few. I think a minute or two to just find the right sweet spot. And it's just all about finding that sweet spot. I think he's going to go in and he's going to have a few exchanges, not really get clipped much, maybe a little clinch back and forward and a little bit, a few uh, engage, engagements. And then I feel like he's just going to step back, find his range and find the sweet spot. So I, mean, I think it's going to be much, much more the same as, as the first. If you were going to pick, if you're going to pick one thing, one thing about Connor that makes him special as a fighter, what would you pick is that one thing his mindset there's no it's just what about just it to, though? what 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 about his mindset what do you what what specifically are you talking about his mindset like in terms of he feels like he can't be beat or he just feels like nothing can break him or he's just the his preparation for it makes him feel like he can talk people down to the point where they start questioning and doubting themselves or is it all of them all of them this is the thing. So everyone yeah, gave him all the answers, Josh. Just throwing it out there. Yeah. <laughs> Those are all things that he does very well. Yeah. And I, I've noticed this, right? You see, like, and you go to, like, gyms or whatever, and you see you're training with people. or You see these, these guys who will train, like, four times a day, right? And they're dedicated in the gym. But you look, like, they don't do strength conditioning. They don't look after their body. They don't eat correct. They don't. They haven't got the right mindset. But they're animals in the gym. They just train day in, day out. Then you've got other kind of guys who look after their diet and their you know, their rest and their recovery. Then they're pussies in the gym and they don't push it. Is where he's got like all of it. He's got like the mindset to really deal with the pressure, to really have the balls to just stand up, look someone dead in the eye and just look at them and say, I'm going to fuck you up. The belief in himself, the unbreakable mindset, the methodical way and how he prepares for his training. He does it calculated and does it the best way that is gone and he just has that belief in himself to that all this works so he believes so much in this little pool of things that he does 
he's gone with this criteria that I've got, I can't be stopped. And that and that's the difference. There's so many people that just don't believe in their work and he believes in his in his own work. Do you know what I mean? He doesn't believe in him like obviously he believes in himself, but what he really believes in is the progress that he's or the process that he has done to get to that point. He's like, I, I have nothing left to do. This is freedom now. I get to walk out there in front of well, I don't know if there's a crowd at this, but twenty five hundred people now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is but what it is. But he gets to walk out there with fucking the whole planet watching. That's right. And <laughs> not five hundred people. He's on a different, different planet. Plenty all together. He's got the whole planet watching. And then that's the fun part, because you know you've done the criteria right. You've followed the process. You've done everything perfect. Now it's time to go and do it. That that's the easy part because you know you've dedicated your whole life. You've faced all the mental challenges, the ups and the downs through your training camp. You faced all that that adversity during that. That now is the time to go and enjoy it and display it. And there's no one does it better. So one, give, one of the go ahead. one of the, one of the things that uh, I'm going to ask you, and this is kind of tough. Connor has had this, as you said, a meteoric rise where he is the number one guy in the sport of MMA. He is the most watched fighter there is. But he's had a lot of hard times based upon, you know life and things that are thrown at him and the way he reacts to them. What have you learned in his mistakes, the things that he's done that have gotten him in trouble or anything? What have you learned from all that? Is there something you say, you know what? Yeah. I've watched someone that I admire, that I train with, that I care about have these problems, but this is the one thing it's done for me. You, you know, you know what? I always look at I look around and you see, you know, and you read the media and stuff, and you see, you see a lot of recently. You can't the, believe all that. Yeah, you definitely can't believe that. That's uh, most of that shit is bullshit. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Most of all that is bullshit. But you, you see though the negative picture, and maybe if it isn't, you know, if it is true that if Connor has done something that is wrong or whatever. But when you when I say like I know Connor since I've been a young lad, you know what I mean, and I've seen him. And I admire how much he has not fucked up for what he's done and what he's achieved and what he's got and what he can do. And I think he's he's pretty clean cut for, for everything that he's got <laughs> done. Yeah. And this is what I, I say to people. I was like, you see, if you had what he got, you'd be the biggest fuck up on the planet. I, I, tell, people, I, tell, I tell people all the time, you have no idea what is thrown at him. The, the so, offers so, that are made, the things that are just people throwing things to his way. You have no idea what it's like, especially being a young man and to not fall into the traps. It's so hard. So I, I don't have anything that I would say, you no, know, that I looked at and go, oh, I wouldn't be, do I wouldn't be doing that. Well, there obviously is no me. I'm me and I do stuff. He does stuff that I wouldn't do. And I do stuff that he wouldn't do. And that's just people. Do you know what I mean? But, I, I don't like I admire him. I, I just look at it and go, wow, I hope that I have that mindset when I have everything you have. I'm more. I plan on getting way more than you know what I mean. That's 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 my dreams. I'm going out there to get more than Connor has ever achieved. And I just hope I have that strong mindset because I'm probably going to be a bigger fuck up than he is. <laughs> 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 and he is ever fucked up. So. Perfect. That's, that's, I just admire him for how much he can keep his shit together and how much he can hold it down and how he can have that bulletproof mindset and fight the world, fight the world while they're trying to pull it back. And 
there's just some there's just some things I go out and I, I read it online and I'm just it really breaks my heart to see how people can hit that on as just a young up and coming athlete. Do you know what I mean? A young man that's achieved everything that he set out to achieve and more. And everyone's just trying to pull him down. Because you, know yeah. you don't like that he's brash and he's this and he's that. And it's like, you wish you could be like that too. And you're hitting on it because you're not. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of things. You can look at it at what, 90 something percent. I want to say, I don't know what the exact percentage, but I know it's above 90% of people that win the lottery. They end up broke again because they blew it on all these things. I mean, he's out there still able, he's still able to create new businesses. I know he's got a good management team behind him. He's got good support behind him as well. But there's a lot of reasons for people to just blow shit off. You know, not to mention there's a ton of people out there looking for any reason to try and get money from you. And I this is exactly what I was going to. I feel like there, it's just he's got to a stage now where he's a one of the biggest figures on the planet. You know what I mean? And that people just want to take that from him. They just want to. They smell the bread and they they the want target. to. He's just a target, and it is, and it's not nice. You know what I mean? To see someone who actually I. I know like I'm in the scene and I, I know what he's done and the amount of money he's put into the country of Ireland to help the areas that are that are less privileged and he's pumped money in to create football clubs, to create boxing clubs, to donate millions to the hospital during the pandemic. And I'm like going, he's trying to help the environment while everyone else essentially in the environment is trying to pull him down. Yeah. Like when, and when you just the, said when you said football, I want everyone to understand it's soccer. But yeah. Yeah, soccer. <laughs> <laughs> soccer club. All right, brother. Well, hey, we're gonna let you run, but we got we're not gonna let you run though before this. Give us a prediction. First round knockout. First so round. First knockout, it's definitely. So it is after You are such a homer. <laughs> <laughs> I call Josh a homer all the time, and now you are a serious homer. I knew you were gonna do that. Worst, worst round. So is he? He's getting it after a couple of exchanges. Don't think it's gonna be like running. I feel like Dustin's gonna come go at it. And he's gonna bring it to Connor and gonna stick it on him, and he's gonna be meeting a brick wall. So he's gonna be meeting a brick wall and hitting a hard floor. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my man. Hey, we appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, we want to have you again, of course, after your next fight. And uh, we have some competition in the podcast game this year as well. What's what's that? Oh, there's you're gonna start something. Coming. There's anyone coming? So uh, I know you're at, you're at the top, but you're about to be number two. Oh, oh. <laughs> bring it, baby! Bring it! There's we like that. <laughs> hey, John and I say it all the time, baby. It's good to be king. It's good to be king. <laughs> so if you want to come get it, baby boy, come get it. I agree. I agree. It is good. Thank you. <laughs> James, thank you for your time, brother. Keep up the good training, man, and good luck with everything that's coming. Thank you very much, boys. Always a pleasure. Take thank it you. easy, bud. Take All it right. easy. Well, that was fun. You got to love James Gallagher. This is a guy very young, but, man, he's got his head on straight. Going to a gym like James Krause's glory that's in Kansas City, Missouri. He's doing the right things, Josh. And and I just see, I see good things just happening for this guy because he's got that positive energy. He's confident in what he's doing and he's got a plan. That's always a good thing. Anytime someone just uproots themselves and goes 
to somewhere else so they can help better their craft during times like this. It lets you know what his focus is. His focus is on trying to be the best. He understands that the talent in the 135-pound division in Bellator is really damn good. So he's yep. going to have to up his game. And, I mean, I think he's he's definitely right there in that mix of the top four or five guys. But he's got to make sure he continues to get better every single time. When you stop getting better is when everyone just passes you up. When you think that you're where you need to be to be to become the champion is when people start just to prove you wrong. And that's he doesn't seem like he's that person to do that. And he's proven it right now that he's out there with James Krause in Kansas City, you know, Missouri, and getting better every single day. And he loves what they're doing there. And he had a lot of great things to say about James Krause and all the guys that are there at that camp. So I'm excited to see what he performs. He's predicting potentially like an April fight uh, in Bellator. So I'm excited to see that. He also gave his predictions. I like when, when even though when they train with someone, they'd like to give their, the, the, he was willing to give his prediction. Sometimes they say, oh, I don't want to predict anything because of my friend. He's like, hell no. For, he's like, hell no, I got this. So I thought it was great, man. I thought it was great. One last thing I wanted to mention, though. You guys, if you guys, everyone out there listening, please stop DMing me about seeing the DC takedown, okay? I'm not sending you guys the video. DC talked about it last week on the fights. And people keep, I've got probably close to 50 to 60 DMs of people asking, Show, send me that video, send me that video. It's a training video. We don't send things like that out to people. <laughs> no way. No, uh, mutual respect. I love it. But please stop sending me the DMs. Uh, John, I feel like there's always one more thing that you have left to say. Well, it's always hard to end something as good as this, but there's only one way to do it. And that is to always say, see ya. <laughs>